Pot of gold. And so you want your voice to sound nice and smooth. Yeah. So when you talk, point your mouth at the microphone. Okay. Point your mouth at the microphone when you talk. Okay. Here, I can move the microphone to where it's easier for you. There you go. So you can look at me when you're talking. Thank you. Oh. Is that better? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Okay. Hello and welcome back to another exciting episode of Ramble by the River. I'm your host of the show, Jeff Nesbitt, with Amelia Grace Nesbitt. That's right. So today we are doing a 4th of July celebration episode. Tomorrow's going to be fireworks day, which is 4th of July. Yes, it is. And we're very excited. Amelia and I, which by the way, if you're unaware, Amelia is my daughter. She's four years old, and she's out here today to introduce our episode. Last night, we went out to the fireworks stand in Chinook, and we got some really cool stuff. We yeah. lit off a few. What we, did we, what'd we get last night? We did pigs. We got the pigs, the flying pigs. And um, sparklers. Sparklers. We got snakes and sparklers. Oh, I see you got them snakes and sparklers. And we actually didn't get snakes. Where's good stuff, man? That's a Joe Dirt reference. Yeah. <laughs> Have we ever watched Joe Dirt? No. We'll have to watch that when you're a little bit older. Yeah. Maybe when I'm five. Maybe five. Maybe five. Maybe 13. I don't know. Or 10. Maybe 10. 10's a good one. Joe Dirt's a bit of a grown-up movie, but it's a great movie. Yeah. Classic. Classic. Classic firework. Is it scary? Firework uh, cinema. Is it scary? There are times when it's scary. You know, it's quite emotional. Um, I got it in a nut. Oh, no. You're fidget. I'm sorry. You're not in trouble. I'm just kidding. Um, that's, it's totally fine. So Mills, I was thinking that today being the day before 4th of July, that we could talk about 4th of July a little bit. Yeah. And I'll tell you all about it. Well, what does 4th of July mean to you? Fireworks, joy, friends, running, playing, Bridget Lucas. There's so many good things. Yeah. Do you know where 4th of July came from like the day where why we celebrate um why we celebrate is because it's fun and fourth of july came from god okay yeah i'll take that answer that's a good answer so do you know what independence means yes what it means that fourth of july means that all of our friends are off school off work and we get to play every day yeah, that's pretty good. Um, do you... Re- oh, you're kicking something. It's my shoe. Okay, I could hear it on the recording. Okay, I'll stop. Okay, thank you. So, do you remember yesterday when we talked about England? Yes. And how America used to be part of England? Yes. And then they decided, no, we don't really like being English anymore. Let's be Americans. Yeah. And So, they threw a bunch of tea in a river or something and or a bay. Yeah. Yeah, so... We uh we decided we're going to be our own country. Oh. Do you know what year that was? 1776. Very, very good. Thank how how you. did you know that? Because of my practice. Your practice? What is your practice? I use practice. You're, you're yelling a little bit. Sorry. So, uh, yeah. So what can you, what can you tell me about fireworks? Fireworks, they're loud and noisy and fun. Yeah, and dangerous. Yes. And messy. Yeah. But also very fun. Yeah. 
Very, very fun. You know, when I was a kid, we used to do fireworks, and it was like my favorite holiday. Uh, Christmas, sorry, Christmas for me. Christmas is your favorite, huh? Presents. Presents is good, but you know what's even better than presents? What? Physical presents. Yeah. Like being outside with your family. Don't touch the mic. Okay. Being outside with your family at the beach and lighting fireworks, digging holes, throwing fireworks, shooting bottle rockets, all that stuff. Are you nuts, dude? You need stuff to explode. Go boom. Why is that good? <laughs> you might, might as well ask, why is the tree good? Why is the sunset good? Why are boobs good? Have you ever been to the regular beach on 4th of July? No. People who aren't from this area might not know this, but it is the craziest experience. Hey. You're kicking your feet. Mm. Don't kick your feet, please. I know it's really hard. Do you need another fidget? Yes. How about you play with the green dragon? Okay. Mm, I can't reach it. Or the Buddha or one of those two things. I made a green dragon with my Play-Doh. What are you naming that green dragon? It needs a name. Um, Because the Buddha has a name and it's Buddha and the green dragon doesn't have a name. Hey, bonus question. What was the Buddha's name before he was the Buddha? Hmm. Nina. Nina? Close. It was Prince Siddhartha. Uh. Did you know he was a prince? He was a prince. And he decided to give up all of his princely wealth to go help people to learn how to be happy and joyful. Hmm. No, not happy, but peaceful. Remember the Buddha show? No. It had um, a big Buddha. A big booty? A big Buddha. A Buddha, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, she was cr- the girl was crying on a rock. Girls always cry on rocks. Not me. Not you. <laughs> just forest girls. Yeah, just forest girls. And my daddy. It's been a while since I cried on a rock. Okay, so let me tell you a story about when I was a kid. What? So... In Long Beach, Washington, there's a tradition of going to the beach for fireworks because fireworks, a lot of them are legal here. Flying fireworks, shooting fireworks, that kind of stuff is legal, I'm pretty sure. And even if it's not legal, people are doing it. There's a reservation not far from here in this county. So people go out to Toakland, they get their fireworks, they get bombs and rockets and all kinds of exploding and sparkly things. Okay, so let me get this straight. Fireworks are the best. Yeah, that's for sure. And so when I was a kid, that's something my dad always did really good. He always made sure we had good fireworks. So Grandpa would take us pigs? to Oakland sometimes. We didn't even do the pigs. We skipped the pigs. Oh. I mean, we would do firecrackers. We would do bottle rockets. Anything that would shoot off or explode, make a loud noise. Me and, me and my brother Jake, Uncle Jake. We used to have a lot of fun on 4th of July. So Grandpa would take us up to Tokeland, to the Indian Reservation. And he even one time he got the guys to go take us behind and sell us the good stuff. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about when I say the good stuff? Yep. I'm talking M1000s. Yep. Something like a quarter stick of dynamite. Yeah, um, I bet everyone's going to love this. This podcast? Probably. I bet they're going to think... Who is that talking? She's so smart and eloquent. Yeah. It sounds like she's at least six, maybe even seven. Me? Who, me? Me. Yeah, you. Ow. One time we took one of those M1000s and we put it in a, I think it was a Toyota Celica. 
And we closed all the doors and windows and we lit that thing and we ran and it exploded the car. It was one of the coolest things of my childhood. It blew the windshield like 50 feet out of the thing, out of the car and into the parking lot. It buckled the roof and blew out every window. It was badass. Excuse my language. I'm sorry. I wish you were there because then you would just know how badass it was and I wouldn't have to say that bad word. So I'm sorry, but it needed to be said. It's okay. I apologize. It's okay. Can you forgive me? Yes. You should have said, you should say that to your audience too. I'll bleep it out. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, audience. You don't have to hear that language. The, yes. the salty language is not what we're about here on Ramble on the River. And Ramble by the River, my bad. Don't even say that to any of your kids. Don't say that to your kids, guys. Come on. Get your parenting under control. Yeah, and don't do anything that's not fair to your kids because that will make them say it. You're right. And then you can't get mad at them for saying the ASS word when you just said it. Yeah. That's not fair. That's called hypocritical. Yeah. And get your life together, parents. Yeah, and my dad and my mom say something that's not fair, so I say it. They make mistakes. Yeah. They're human. You know? Yeah, and they do a lot of things that are on purpose. Like what? Like slamming people into the table, which my sister did to me. Your parents do not do that. Yeah, but sisters do. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. But I think it was it was mostly an accident. I know. Yeah. But Elsa did something mean, and it hit my tooth. You did hit your tooth. But she was sorry. Yeah, and I'm not chomping or pushing, so it doesn't hurt anymore. It hurts when you chomp, though. Yeah. It's been two weeks. It's probably not going to hurt much longer. The dentist yeah. said you're going to be okay. Yeah. Just in case you guys are curious, we had a slight accident. Amelia slipped. Elsa was playing a game. Yeah, but the she bubble's hit her face on a table. bad. If the bubble comes up, like, not the bubbles that you swallow. The bubble of, of liquid in your tooth gums. Yeah, do you still have the bubble? Yes. Can I take a look? Lean your head back. Back, not up. It looks like the bubble's gone. Yay. Good job. You're healing up. Because just of me. Yep, God put all of that healing power right inside your body. You don't even need anything else. Nope. Isn't that nope. so cool? Isn't yeah. that amazing? Yeah, just when I'm hurt, you guys take care of me. I take care of you when you're not hurt. Yeah. Pretty much all the time. Yeah, but... Much as I can, at least. Yeah, you always take care of me. Even not Elsa. What? I'm noticing some some beef with Elsa. What's going on? Nothing. I thought you guys were super tight. Never mind, Dad. Amelia, you can talk about it on this show. Well, every time you talk, it makes me kind of jealous sometimes. What do you mean? That's weird. I'm not talking for a little while, but you can still talk to me. You change your mind? You don't want to talk about it? I don't. What are, you, what are you feeling jealous about? Elsa! She gets to go see Grandma Bonnie and it's not fair. That does get a little bit complicated. I've actually thought that was going to come up your whole life because Elsa has an extra grandma hmm. that you don't get to have. Yeah, because I just have two grandmas. But do you know what? Elsa had to work really hard for that and it wasn't really that fun. She had to go through some hard stuff to get an extra grandma and an extra dad. Well, mom married him first. I know. That's but, why That's why that's her, her biological father. And that's what made 
Elsa on Instagram, and that's not fair. But think about that from Elsa's point of view. If so, Elsa had a daddy, and then it didn't work out with her mommy and daddy, and then her daddy didn't live with her anymore, and that was really hard for her. And then luckily she got another daddy, and he happened to be just a really a winner, you know. He's just, I mean, just a stand-up dude. That's you. Is it? Oh, that's right. That's right. It is me. So she has two daddies now, and it, to you it might sound like she's really lucky to have two daddies, but to her, even though she loves both of her daddies, it's still kind of hard sometimes because that's that's not a not always an ideal situation. Oh. So don't be jealous. Everybody's experiences are just different. You have your own hardships, and she has her own hardships, and you have your own benefits, and she does. Your lives are just different. Yeah, it's just... But you guys love each other so much. You can't be mean, mean and mad at each other. Just... I really wanted to do exactly what Elsa does. That's just the way it is. When your little sister, your big sister, does all the cool stuff, and then you want to do it, and you do it later sometimes. But I don't get to do to Grandma Bonnie or Daddy. I'm sorry. Okay. Elsa doesn't really do the Grammy Tory stuff, though. Yeah. Because Grammy Tory is my mom, and Elsa didn't know her when she was a baby. But I did. Yeah, see? So you two have your own lives. Yeah. And they're different. I just have two girls. Being jealous doesn't feel very good, does it? So that's why I don't do it. It's a bad feeling. So, should we stop talking about this? Yeah, let's move on to happy stuff. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Can we, you know, want to talk about more about 4th of July? Yeah! When I was a kid, we drove, my dad drove a big van. It was a GMC van. It was red and white. It was awesome. I loved this van. And we would cram all the kids in there and all of our stuff for the day and go to the beach for 4th of July. All our fireworks and food and stuff and basically set up a campsite and just hang out there all day and play in the water, light fireworks, build sandcastles, the works. And it was a two-wheel drive van. So if you've ever driven on the beach, you know you have your hard sand, which is like where the tide has receded and the, the sand is packed and you can drive on that in a two-wheel drive vehicle, no problem. A little up higher, you have your soft sand, which is dry, it's loose, it's, it's just not Really, you can't really drive a two-wheel drive vehicle in it without getting stuck. If you try, you have to go really fast, and you have to make it through the soft stuff, get to the hard stuff in time before you get stuck. So we're in this van. It's fully loaded. And my dad is like, we're going to get to our spot. We have the same spot every year. We're going to get there. So he's just flying through this soft sand because, you know, you have to work with the tides. And we're trying to get out there early. We don't want to get stuck in the wrong spot. The plan is you just basically beach ourselves let the van get stuck in our spot, and then we have our fun, set up our camp. At the end of the night, after the fireworks are all over and everyone's, you know, leaving the beach, we pull out the tow rope, look for the first big truck with a, you know, a nice-looking guy or girl, whatever, but usually a guy, driving by, and he's like, hey, give us a tug. They pull us out, and we drive back to the hard sand and, and go home. So that was the experience every year, and it was a fucking blast. Oh, sorry. I'll, uh, I'll bleep that out. Okay. I won't say any more cuss words, I'm sorry. And you fans, don't say any cuss words to your kids. A real bummer. 
I'm so sorry. Hey, just say that to your face. I won't say it to you. You can say it. Oh yeah, I'm sorry to everybody. I won't say that for it anymore. It was an accident. It's but it was it was a blast. It was a really good time, and I loved it every year. One time though, I was throwing uh, firecrackers. You know what firecrackers are? They're little tiny bombs. They go bam, and they have a fast fuse on them. It's just like a little scrap of paper. And I lit it. Actually, I was I lit I lit a uh, smoke bomb, and I was getting ready to throw it, and it lit a firecracker that was in my other hand and it exploded in my hand, and it hurt so bad. It burned my whole hand, and I couldn't hear for the whole rest of the day because it, like, blew up right by my face. Oh. It was so scary. People get their hands and fingers blown off by fireworks every year. Did I? Did you happen to that? I never did lose uh, a finger. Uh, oh, but did you lose your hand? I got them both still right here. See? Count them. One, two. Two hands. Well, did you lose? Um, what happened to you? Nothing. I guess that's kind of a boring story. I burned my hand once. I was trying to just do it so people know, like, be careful out there, guys. Don't let your kids light stuff that is going to explode without your help. And don't, what is with all these fireworks you pick up and hold? And like those swords that shoot out sparks. Or Roman candles, people are picking them up and shooting them at each other. Okay. I hate that. Please don't do that. Okay. Please don't do that. You're going to light each other's clothes on fire. You're gonna, if the thing is gonna get hot and burn your hand, just put the fucking thing on the ground and, and light it and enjoy it. Don't, you don't need to be that involved. Uh oh, uh, uh, stay again and up in the sun. Uh oh, uh, uh, if it get too hot, slip into the water or the shade. That brings the summer again to the hay. Uh, 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 the water is the best to get a go swimming in it. That was really nice. Uh, oh, it's going uh, still. Oh, bring the song along, along it. This sings the song with me. Uh, uh, oh. You didn't not do that. I don't I, want a background. I, I thought you said, and sing the song with me. Just That's just part of the song, but it's a solo. Yeah. In the sun, in the light of the air, come on, sing along. Oh, you're keep forgetting. It's just a solo. Okay. Well, so most solos don't say, "Come on, let's sing along." Because that's confusing to the audience, especially the ones who love to sing along, like me. Come on. That's enough. Let's go to the parking along. Uh, uh, uh. Come on, sing along. And the light. But I'm not really supposed to, right? Yeah. Okay. And Maybe think of some other words then. Uh, no. Uh, 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 up in the air. Come on along, sing along.
my house is where I'm supposed to be. This is where I leave my town. I have to go. I'm sorry, Mom. I have to leave to go. I have to leave to go to work. This is the day I go. I love it. That was lovely. I bet the audience love it, too. They are going to go nuts for that. They'll probably do remixes of it, and you'll probably hear it on TikTok later this afternoon. Who knows? Anyway, they're lighting up CERN again. Yes, that's right. The Large Hadron Collider is getting fired up July 5th. So get ready for some weird shit to start happening. We're going to have Mandela effects. Hey, Mills, you're interrupting. Sorry. You're interrupting the host of the show. That's a quick way to get banned from the show. Sorry. Okay, and you know what? We love your songs. We love your banter. We're and not... Hey! Watch it. And would you... But you don't want to step on the host's toes, you know. And would you like to hear some more songs? No. No, I would not. So they're firing up the Large Hadron Collider. And, and the last couple times they've done this... Amelia, please. Amelia, please. <laughs> the people need to know about the CERN. No, they don't. <laughs> and Do you want to tell them? No, I just want I'm just going to make you tell them. You can explain it to them. And all of the concern is dumb. Okay, Mills. Why don't you just sing uh, them? Tell them in a song what's going to happen. Yep. What to say? Ready? Um, if According to the U.S. Sun, the U- new CERN had drawn collider. Experiment sparks on July 5th. We're sinking doomsdays on asparagus bees. What's really going on? I don't know. You can sing that part. I know. What's really going on? Okay, now we're just going to talk them, okay? Uh, okay. Tuesday conspiracy theories are abounding. As the new July 5th CERN Large Hadron Collider experiment was set to create unprecedented levels of energy. The European Organization, European Organization for Nuclear Research, the European European organization organization is celebrating its 10th anniversary by restarting its Large Hadron Collider after it was shut down three years ago. The European organization, also known as CERN, operates the largest particle physics laboratory in the world. CERN's main function is to provide the particle accelerators and other infrastructure needed for high-energy physics. Don't kick, please. That's such a long word. You, You don't have to do it. I'm just, I'm just going to read the rest. Numerous high-profile experiments have been constructed at the Institute, such as the creation of the World Wide Web. CERN is also used to refer to the laboratory, which in 2019 had uh, 2,660 uh, staff. Please don't do that. Okay. And hosted about 12,400 users from institutions in more than 70 countries. CERN is set for a series of events starting on July 3rd, 2022. That's today! With the first celebrations of the 10-year anniversary of the discovery of the Higgs boson particle. And would you like to hear what I'm going to say? Sure. I'm going to say, would you like to hear the song at the end? No, thank you. Uh, The LHC, I'm just kidding, we do want to hear the song at the end. Okay. 
The LHC, which is the world's largest and most powerful particle accelerator, is at the center of conspiracy theories surrounding CERN. People have shared their superstitions regarding the portal that will open after two high-energy particle beams are set to travel at close to the speed of light before they fly. Okay, time to sing along. Not yet. Anyways, oh, here's a quote. Anyways, CERN is opening a multi-dimensional portal on July 5th and will be using dark matter. Everything is fine, someone said on Twitter. Oh my god, I hate when they do that. Okay, I shouldn't have even included that because it was an unsighted source from Twitter. Okay, a lot of people, basically a lot of people on Twitter are saying, oh, what if CERN opens a portal to hell or something? What if CERN opens a black hole? Scientists have posited that we can use gravity to test for the possibility that other dimensions exist. One way of seeing evidence for other dimensions involves gravity, specifically the theoretical particle associated with gravity called the gravitron. One theory suggests that the gravitron may move in all dimensions, not just the ones we live in. The start of the LHC will be streamed live on CERN's social media channels. So this will mark the launch of the new physics season at the Institute's flagship accelerator. And this comes 10 years after the groundbreaking research that was presented on the Higgs boson to a packed CERN auditorium. CERN says the events will be looking back at where a decade of Higgs boson science has brought the field while also looking ahead to new prospects. So, yeah. I don't know why I'm so intrigued by this, but I just think this is crazy cool. So, Large Hadron Collider, just pushing the bounds of what's possible with science. I'm excited about it. I personally don't believe that it's going to start a black hole or, or anything like that, nothing terrible. And I don't have a conspiracy theory to give you guys. Sorry about this one. I just think it's cool science. So, that being said, watch out for black holes. You know, wormholes and crazy things, Mandela effects. Glitches in the Matrix, things like that. Who knows? Could be a lot of fun. Could be a horrific post-apocalyptic future. Who knows? Could be nothing. We could all just blip out in the blink of an eye. You never know. When we're playing with high-accelerated particles. Are you ready for the song? Sure. Can I give you a beat? Yep. For you to sing along with? Yep. I want to say sing along. When, I, when you say sing along, I'm going to sing along. Okay. And sing along. This is a confusing song. Sing. Do you want to rap a little bit? No. And sing the song with me. I'll win you a beat. Can you just lay me a beat, please? No. I just wanted to sing a new clip. You just said that really loud. What you said to me. Well, the way this works is that we take turns. I was trying to take a turn, but I was just singing. But you didn't have anything to sing. You were just saying the same thing over and over again, not on the beat. I don't want to sing. I don't want to have a beat. That's not how music works. I like having music my own way. I know I don't even... Can I help you with those? I forgot. Amelia, I can't hear what you're saying when you play with the chords. I forgot what I was going to say. Guess what? That's the theme of this show. That's what we do all day long on this show. We just start something, we forget. We start something better, we forget. We start something even better than that, and then we forget about it because we found something better to talk about and we forget. And that's just how we go. So don't feel bad. You're doing it right. You're a great podcaster. I know, it's just I want to say something and I forgot it. Okay, well, I think these people, they deserve a show. So should we just get to the episode? You want me to introduce it? You sure? Okay. My guest today is Alicia Trusty. Alicia is a very interesting person. 
I have known her a long time. She was uh, my younger sister's age in school, and, or close to it. I think they were the same age. And I was the same age as her older sister, so she's in one of those families that I've just always known. And she's a great person. I love what she's into these days. She's talking a lot about spiritual health and growth, and we pretty much spend this whole podcast talking about just all the intricacies of how to incorporate spiritual health into your life and what that means and what that means to us in particular. And yeah, I think it's one of the best podcasts we've ever done. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Without further ado, it is hard. That's why I'm asking you. I didn't trust just anybody. Without further ado, please enjoy this interview with Alicia Trusty. Very good. Woo! Happy Fourth of July, everybody. Happy Fourth of July. Would you like to end with one of my small songs? Go. And songs bring love in the night of the love from songs. Bring the song along, hey, hey. Happy Fourth of July. Yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. Enjoy the show. Say it with your chest now. Say it with your chest now. I'm young. I'm free. Can't nobody take me here and now. It's my time to ride it out. It's my time. It's my time. It's my time to ride. Can you tell me who you are, and uh, just so I can make sure your sound is good? Yes, I am Alicia Trusty. All right, pull it a little bit closer. Okay. That sounds really good. Okay. Cool. Perfect. I think we're good to go. All right, let's do this. Welcome to the show. Yeah. It's been a while since I've recorded uh, a new episode, so actually, it's been like two months. Wow. Yeah. So this is this is fun to me. I'm excited. I'm um, excited. I'm yeah. honored. The reason I asked you is because I really like your social media posts. A lot, like you see a lot of influencers. I hate to even use that word because it's so irritating yeah. to most people. <laughs> but you see a lot of uh, influencers posting stuff, memes, positive with just the positivity stuff. But those don't seem like real people. They yeah. seem like perfect people with perfect lives who happen to know this wisdom that I don't know, even though... We all do. Like a lot of the stuff is just it's common sense and it's cliche to say this, like the power of positive thinking and, you know, setting intentions for good things to happen. But it's very hard to practice. For and sure. Even when you do practice it, a lot of people don't feel comfortable sharing that because it seems like cheesy or um, I don't even know what to describe it, how to describe it. But I see your posts and you you do a lot of stuff like that and it does not come across as cheesy. It comes across as genuine and like this is a person who is working on herself and who has figured some shit out. Maybe not everything, but you're working on it and the process is like the journey is the process is the goal. Like yeah. It's a it's a positive way to try to construct your life. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um I think you know 
one t- when I was traveling, I was recently traveling overseas for like two months and um, someone said to me, so like, are you an influencer? And I was like, um, no, <laughs> I don't consider myself like, you know, on that like length, that wavelength. Um, but like for me, it's just about like, I want to help people. That's my goal in life is to like really be of service to people. And I think so many people don't know how to actually do these things like we see exactly like you're saying we see these posts that are like oh like the power of positive thinking or like you know journal with intention or do all these things but to actually like practice it um I like think that is a big missing piece and to actually have like steps or a process of how to do that and to just be like real you know I have nothing to hide right like I just want to show up as I am and far from perfect um, and also, like, far from figured out, I for sure agree with that. Like, you know, I'm, it's, it is the journey. Like, that is the point. Um, and yeah, so. Do you it, think it's even possible to get it all figured out, or is it just going to be a continuous journey? I think it's continual. That's I, how it feels to me. Yeah, for sure. Like, even uh, some of the people who have really inspired me, who are mentors, I would say, on my journey, um, and who I'm very close with, who are like twice my age. Um, they're all like, you know, moms or just these older people who still, even though I look at them and I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to be where you are, right? They're still going through their own processes. Like recently, one of the people that I work with, she's a life coach. She's a heartbreak coach. She, um, and is my coach. I started working with her about two years ago. She, is recently like taking down a bunch of her podcast episodes and like kind of reframing some things because she's like, you know what, I'm at a new perspective. Like this was true then and it's not true now. And I think that just shows that like the journey is never ending. It's like we also like reach different levels of like awareness. And like I I feel like it's like as our consciousness expands, right? Like our perspective expands. So, Collectively or individually or both? Both, I think, right? Like I mean, it's part of the, like, the more individually we can expand, then the more the collective expands. I agree 100%. I feel that as truth. With, like, when I'm trying to expand my own perceptions, my own just ability to make sense of the world, I feel like I'm doing the work of humanity. Like, we're trying to move forward as a species, and it's fucking hard because we've advanced a really long way. No other animal that we know of has come this far. So it's all, it's, just uncharted territory it feels like we're doing the work for human advancement just by thinking oh for sure and like what's so interesting I think about a lot about that is like we are so evolved and we're so like expanded as a society yet we're like we've gotten kind of away from like this universal truth and this like um I can't quite think of the word for it but it's like this like maybe the real like the real I use air quotes because it's like the real reason that we're like actually here like that we're doing this whole human thing do you find it hard to find the right terminology when you're talking about this stuff because so many words have baggage and like especially the new age stuff people get so turned off so quickly just I think it's because a lot of it's frustrating because there's no real definitive answers to a lot of that stuff but it's really fun to think about I enjoy the hell out of it and some people just don't like they want black and white they want something they can wrap their head around easily yeah that stuff bores me to death uh i like the stuff with some mystery baked in oh yeah me too like i get can get out there with like my 
with my like terminology or like how like what I feel is like true um but yeah like the terminology is a thing that I do run into being like even yesterday I said codependency to somebody and they were like well I don't want to feel like I'm codependent because that feels like a really bad thing and I was like no 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 and so I like found a different way to like talk about it to them but what is codependency so codependency at its core there's like it's very nuanced I like to always preface it with that um but at its core, it's, you know, sacrificing oneself in order to care for another. That sounds awful Christ-like to me. <laughs> right? He was codependent. Oh, my is gosh. That, is that the case? I mean, I haven't really examined that too deeply um, as far as— Where do you draw the line between just being a selfless, humble person who's willing to put others before themselves? Where do you draw the line between that and codependence? Yeah, see, that's a good question. So— um, Really what it comes down to is like codependency is a trauma response. And so people like there's a big difference between being someone who like loves to help. And is just like like you said, like a selfless person, right? Like an altruist. Right. And being someone who feels like if they don't do that, that they're like their life is like in danger, like they're not going to be safe. They won't receive love. They won't be accepted. Like being codependent is um you do these things, right? Like people pleasing is a big part of it. And it's not because like you think people love you for who you are. It's because you're afraid that if you don't do these things that they won't love you. Like they love you for what you do, not who you are. Um, Which is not a healthy state to be in, I assume. No, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, You know, because then you're never really acting from a place of like uh, authenticity, right? You're acting from a place of fear. Yeah. And fear does not make good decisions and it does not allow you to grow. Like you cannot grow. You can't really learn from a place of not feeling safe. You need to feel safe in your starting in your own mind and then branching out from there. For sure. For sure. That's like my biggest thing with helping people with codependency is um, everyone has the like, I think it's just a human right to feel worthy in our own skin. Um, And a lot of us don't like we don't feel good enough for like basic things like connection, even working on ourselves. A lot of people don't feel worthy of working on themselves. And that's something that I think is like, it's just like a bummer for those people. And that's why I want to help them like, see, like you are worth taking time to like grow and expand and asking these questions, you know? Why is it so hard to just value ourselves? Like, why do you think humans have a tendency to do that, devalue ourselves, look for ways that we're going to fail and just, we end up creating these self-fulfilling prophecies. We're like, oh, I'm not good enough to to do that. Like they can do that, but I'm not good enough to do that. And then you believe that about yourself. And then when you go on to try to do something, those beliefs are going to completely limit what you're able to do. Yeah. Why do you think that happens? I I would say like, honestly, it comes back to those, like those traumas. I, and that word, I like, you know, again, it's one of those terms with a lot of baggage, but it's a good one. It is a good one because it's real. And whether like, Whether your trauma is, I was in fourth grade and I worked really hard on this paper and my teacher said, wow, this was a terrible paper and you you internalize that or your trauma was bigger because of family dynamics or whatever, or you had a parent who was like hypercritical or, you know, um, like in my case, it's like alcoholism was kind of where my codependency was created and learning to like step away from that and heal that. There was a lot of feelings though of unworthiness, right? And I didn't realize it until I was like well into my 20s that I was carrying it into every single thing that I did. Isn't that a weird moment when you realize that? You're like, oh shit, what have I been doing? Like this is not 
I don't have to do this. Like, you don't have to carry that with you. And then once you start trying to get into the process of shedding that, you realize, oh, it's really stuck to me. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's not an easy thing to shed because you've built your world around it. Yeah. Because that's where you find safety is, is just being able to, you know, keep yourself safe, inoculated away from everything, all the risks and the, the scary threats of the world. Oh, for sure. It's a, it's a comfortable prison. It is, you know, like it is exactly that. It's a comfortable prison. Like the way I've always described it is like if you've grown up in toxic water your whole life and someone's like, hey, come over to this like really clean water. It's really good for you. It's going to nourish you and help you grow. When it's you, a trick. When you get in that water, you're going to be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> like, if you even trust that person in the first place. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It takes like it's like exposure therapy. Right. Like it takes. um a little bit of time, you know, it takes, it takes, and honestly, it takes a lot of time. And there are moments where I think even people who start to do the work consistently, like we all go through phases there. It's like the, the like wavelength for me, like I get waves of energy and inspiration. And so like, I have to follow my like emotional wave. And if my emotional wave is like, okay, we're working on this, we're doing this. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm like on it. I'm doing my work. And then there might be like a time where it's like, Maybe I don't have something in my life actively pushing me to like heal or do that work. And that's when like the trick of being disciplined, I guess, and really sticking to something comes into play. Um, but yeah, it is exactly like it. It really is just these beliefs or these things that like keep us so stuck um, in our own way. You know, I was like so afraid to make decisions for myself, um, even like recently a big one for me has been like okay I can like go back into the world and like go live in the world again um because I've been around my family for the last few years and to you are they a support system or or are they not they are because it's never the same for anybody you know it's both right like they are but at the same time like that's where my safety is that's where I built this where I learned codependency right and so like, I have this story, this mind drama um, about why, like, oh, I can't. I Like, if I do this, they're going to not love me, not accept me. Like, I'll lose if I, this is what it is. If I choose myself, I'm going to lose them. And that's not true. Like, that's just not a true thought. Um, and that's, like, part of, like, what I do as a coach is, like, find thoughts that aren't true and then, like, rework them. Because our thoughts create our feelings and our feelings create our um, actions and our actions create our results. So that's cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah, it is. Exactly. That's exactly what you're doing. Yeah, that's it's so important to identify your thoughts and then to actually label them as like, this is a thought. This is not a fact. This is not, I don't have to be this thought. It's just something that's passing through me as as I'm a conduit. Yes. This thought, I didn't create this thought. I didn't choose to have it. It's just here. Exactly. And you can observe it and then let it pass. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's you know, sometimes it's much harder than others, but it's it's good to know exactly what you're at least trying to do so that when the opportunities arise, you can do it. Yeah. Because so many people don't even have the tools to, to recognize that moment. They don't know when that moment's going to come. They still feel so connected and identified with the issue and with the identity that they've built to accommodate the issue. Yes. That they don't ever even see a path to health. Yeah. And and when I say health, I, I really consider health to be a, a multifaceted thing. It doesn't just involve your physical health. It doesn't just involve your mental health. But it's like it's a mix of your 
biological, physical health, with your spiritual health, like how you're connected to the greater everything. Yeah, for with sure. Your social health, like how you're connected to the people directly around you and in your community with your mental health. Like how is your actual the chemical and electrical impulses in your body and brain and nervous system? How are they working? All that has to work together in perfect harmony for you to actually achieve what is considered to be good, you know, quality health. And that is so hard to do in a world where you're just constantly bombarded with different stimuli and different opportunities to fuck yourself up. Oh, for sure. It's everywhere. It is. It's everywhere. And I totally agree. Like it is. I think that that's one of the things about like Western. I mean, it's like the world at this point, the modern world that like really bums me out a little bit is like we're a little disconnected. Completely. A lot disconnected. Right. From like actually how to like really take care of ourselves and how to especially like culturally you know right now there's all these things going on and the like you can't go anywhere without kind of being faced with like negativity or I don't even know if that's the right word like stress or like kind of fear it's a little bit of like that fear you know and it like comes back to that thing of like fear is not a good place to move from um but I think spiritual health too is like is kind of like a gateway to the rest of these healths, right? Oh, I 100% agree. Yeah. Hey, could you pull that up just a little bit? Yeah, for sure. It? There you go. Okay, cool. Perfect. Um, yeah, I agree. So spiritual health, what do you? What does that mean to you? So, yeah, spiritual health. Um, so I can get to a, a lot of people, it's religion, and they're, and they're turning this off right now. They're like, I don't want that shit. <laughs> but that is not what I consider spiritual health. Yeah, no, and like, so I can get pretty out there, right? Like, um... Like spirituality for me is like a big, a big encompassing thing. Like I found really like, I hate using the word spirituality actually, because a lot of people do assume like I I do mean religion, right? Oh, you're like, just packed with the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Like, and I'm really, I do believe in like source and like, you know, everybody has a different word for it. Source the universe, God, whatever, the stars, I don't really care how you identify with it, right? Like, as long as you understand really what it is, it's like, that's where the power is, I think. Um, But for me, like, spirituality is like, being connected to the earth, being connected to like, my, my, my higher consciousness, my soul's highest good, like, my guides. Um, You know, like, yesterday, I was telling my sister, I was like yeah I was doing a little meditation with my shaman and I had a vision about a lake and then I opened this box and there this dragon wants me to like come to Scotland and I was like I know I'm sorry I'm crazy I was called by a lake though and she literally was just like oh good for you I love you um but I like I really do believe like the earth has messages for us like the like I've been studying shamanism um and like I'm hopefully one day would like to incorporate that and how I can like be of service to people. Obviously I would not like, I feel like that's a slippery slope to be like, Oh, I'm a shaman, but if you're white, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And that's where it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that, but I do You're not trying to culturally appropriate, you're, no. but you're just trying to connect to something greater. Exactly. And yeah. like, you know, use the elementals to help people because like water has purpose. Rocks have purpose. Trees are, alive like they talk to each other i know i love that that underground like i always mycelial network yes the mycelial network it's it's the internet that existed long before the internet existed it's so cool it's really cool i i'm in that same boat i love that kind of stuff i i think spirituality is very important 
I think it's a crucial part of what makes us human and, and the ability to connect is is part of that. And yeah. we, we do it already. Everybody, the most normal normie around who doesn't believe in any of this stuff uses like tele, like not tele, uh, telepathic powers just to communicate. Every time you look somebody in the eye and communicate an emotion without words, that's telepathic. Like yeah. that's sending energy straight from my brain to your brain and communicating a message that we don't quite understand how that even works. It's, it's something about spindle cells and mirror neurons and just it's part of us. It's part of who we are. It is. And people want to ignore it or or maybe not ignore it, but they want to just assume that that's all there is. I think there's actually more. I think that we have latent abilities that people haven't been able to do for a very long time. Or, or there may be some people who can, like out of the 8 billion people on this planet, maybe a handful of them can do some really cool shit. Oh, for sure. Like remote viewing and astral projection and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Fascinating. It is fascinating. Like this, this is something that like has intrigued me. And for the longest time I felt like, you know, um, I, I felt, I judged myself for like being like, this is, this is like valid or, or doing the research on it and like really tapping into it. But I've met some like really amazing people on my journey who are, have like, uh, perfected their craft or, or are pretty like well into it. Like the shaman I work with, she is connected to this earth and it's so beautiful. Um, she studied in Peru for like a few years and I'm actually, she actually invited me to like work with this tribe because something in my, in my plane that I'm unaware of, right. Like says that there's medicine there for me. Um, but like, there are so many perceptions that like we don't have and and can't even see. And I think one of the things that like keeps us from maybe dropping into these or accepting these is like, we want to be able to box everything up and you can't really box that shit up. No, not at all. Yeah. And when you try it, it doesn't like it. No. It, it gives you exceptions. It, it just doesn't want to be boxed up. It's something that we're, I don't know if we're supposed to completely grasp it. Right. But just the attempt at trying to put together some kind of a cohesive view of what this stuff is, is what's important to me. Because I, I don't really want to ever feel like I know it all. That seems like a dangerous feeling. Yeah. Like that's just complete hubris. And I think a lot of humans do deal with that where they think we figured it all out. We know what's up. We we know what's down. We just, it's it's just complete arrogance. Oh, for sure. Like I was just having a conversation with an older person the other day and like, they were like, well, you know, when you get to my age, you know, you'll you'll just see that like, oh, I know everything. Like, I understand everything. Now I understand how life works. And all I could think and I was like, I don't want to be judgmental. But all I could think was like, but new things happen every day. Yeah. You experience new experiences. You have new things arise. I love this like phrase that the subconscious will only make conscious what the conscious can handle. And so like to think that like at that we just like figure ourselves out and figure the whole world out one day, like, and it, we just arrive somewhere. Like it's not an arrival. It's a lifelong journey. Yeah. I, I love that. What you just said that <clears throat> the, can you say that again? Yeah. So the subconscious only makes conscious what the conscious can handle. Yeah. So that speaks right to the idea that there is this vast ocean of impulses and motivations and memories that we don't have immediate access to, Yeah, but they're still guiding our decisions and, and, coloring our view of the world. That's that's a big idea. And I think that so many people just walk through life uh, thinking that they understand, at the very least, their own motivations. They know why they're doing something. I used to think I knew why I was doing things. And I realized a long time ago that 
I have no idea. We yeah. tell ourselves stories. We tell ourselves stories to make sense of our behaviors. But the true motivations for those behaviors are most likely ingrained, habitual, or cultural. And you might not have any idea how they got there. For sure. I think that's fascinating. Yeah, it, definitely. Like, you know, really, I think it also comes to like the point of like being able to look in the mirror and be like, wait, and like dive deeper beside, mm -hmm. like beyond just the, the, um, like initial, like, oh, I do that because this, you know, like, yeah. oh, I've been this way my whole life. It's like, there's no motivation behind it or there's no like deeper meaning. It's like, no, maybe you should dig into that a little bit. Yeah. Explore examine. it. Yeah. Dig deep. Do you have any books or particular people who talk about this stuff that you are particularly fond of? Um, I do. So actually I just ordered a book. Um, it's about, it's like the Shakti woman and it's about shamanism in the modern world. And it's a really interesting book. Um, I can't think of the author right now, but, um, I also, so like kind of what started to like get me to look at my thoughts, um, is this woman named Byron Katie. So she has a book called Loving What Is, and she also has like an amazing website. It's called The Work. Um, it's like thework.com or if you just Google the work of Byron Katie. We'll put a link. Yeah. Awesome. Um, she had like, a, she was like in her fifties and she had like a, just everything fell apart her whole life. She was like miserable for years and she had her rock bottom moment and she had, she went to, I'm pretty sure she ended up in jail for a while. And she had this moment where she was like, wow, I don't know anything. I think I know everything. And I think that my thoughts are true and they're not true. And so she has this book that kind of like talks about how it's this meditation of like, can you know, like your thoughts are actually true, right? And then she has this like process you take yourself through. And it kind of helps us tap into our like, our mind in a way that like gets us to go deeper past the initial like things we just throw out there right um and I, I've really like found that that is really powerful I it's called like thought work and I use that like with my clients um all the time because it's like you know how we can change our behavior is by addressing our thinking that's like really what it comes down to um so that's like one of my favorites I also just love like so Jane Mayer, she does a lot of like singing healing um, and like works with like the ferns. Um, she offers. Is that a band? No. The she, plant? Uh, no, it's she, it's a person. Oh, it's a person named the ferns? No, 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 no. The ferns are what she works with. The plant. like literally, Oh, the plant. Okay. The plant, the yeah. ferns. Sorry. They're very cool plants. I mean, yeah, they've got a lot of healing power. You'd be surprised. Um, I was surprised. In terms of plant consciousness, they're one of the more lively plants yeah like i know that sounds crazy listeners don't don't turn this off no seriously don't. They, don't, they don't speak english but they're definitely conscious they are you know like for sure this is scientifically validated it is like it is. many 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 times right you have know. you seen this the rice study where i mean they do it on tiktok and instagram all the time but take two jars with white rice and you fill them both up halfway with cooked rice to one of the jars you project love and you talk to this jar of rice and you tell it you love it it's beautiful and you show gratitude to this rice and you like you project loving kindness into the jar of rice and to this other jar you tell this rice it can go fuck itself you know you're ugly you're smelly and you can't read good and you just say all the horrible things to this other rice and over the course of i don't know if it's a week or a month or whatever but 
the jar with the rice that has been treated lovingly is fine. And after a certain amount of time, the jar with, that has been treated hatefully is black and moldy and rotten. And this has, it's like actually worked in a lab. Yeah. And the same thing happens when they do studies where they talk like that to growing plants. Yeah. And the plant that has been treated lovingly thrives and the plant that hasn't looks like shit. No, exactly. Like I haven't seen the rice one. That's fascinating. But I have seen plant ones like where, you know, they play um, like I actually saw something where they played like death metal and um, like this plant was in sun and they played death metal to it and like talked down to it because there's like a lot of like energy in music. Right. And um, even though it had light, it did not grow and it eventually died and they watered it and took care of it. And then another plant they put in a dark um, broom and they played like affirmations for it and the plant still grew. Yeah. And it had no crazy. sunlight. Like, yeah. Oh, it did it with no light? No light. Wow. Yeah. That actually is fascinating that a plant can even do that in the first place. I know that it's not normal, but uh, there's lots of plants because I work in the weed world. These, yeah. These are some really robust plant species and they can easily grow with no light. Like a uh, Japanese knotweed will grow right up through a fucking highway. Like, That's crazy. From underneath. There's no light down there. It just knows where the sun is. And it's just like, hey, I got the tools. I'm going to punch a hole in this road and go get some light. Plants are, they're much more aware than than people give them credit for. Oh. Look at a Venus flytrap. Yeah. It's a carnivorous plant that it eats animals. Yeah. Consciously. Closes up on them and eats them. That's that's consciousness. It's just not the 100%. same that we have. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that I've really uh, opened up to is that like, and kind of as I've opened up to it, I've like looked at things so differently is that we have been looking at things through human consciousness. Like we only see everything through the terms of being human. But if we looked at things as plants, if we looked at things as animals, if we were a cow and looked at the world through a cow's consciousness, right? Like that is going to be different than a human's consciousness. But who's to say it's any less conscious? Like, it's just because we don't understand it. Yeah. The the slippery slope on that is like, if you get too good at that, you'll lose your fucking mind. Oh, for sure. Like, you'll just become a cow. Like, <laughs> yeah. I have gotten, I've spent enough time alone and meditated enough to where I have felt at times completely detached from everyone else. Where, yeah. where I'm just like, they're, they're there and I'm here and I and I don't like that feeling at all. It, yeah. it makes you feel very alone and isolated and unsafe because we're not meant to be isolated and alone. But at the same time, I don't want to be part of a big boring collective that doesn't want to investigate the secrets of the universe. Right. So it's, it's important to find people who are into what you're into for oh, that reason. For sure. And but, balance, right? Yeah, like don't yeah. unpack and live there, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Explore it. Sit with it. See how it feels. And then come back yeah then yeah. leave because yeah exactly you don't want to get stuck in those places for yeah sure and i don't know if you really i mean you can if you have some kind of underlying mental illness or things like that there's definitely ways that you can fall off the deep end but i mean there are people who have spent 30 years meditating in a cave and they're still sane You're right like, they're still i mean they're viewed as like sacred people because they they were able to do that and they accomplished things and built structures in their brains that are incredible like yeah. the, the kind of power that people who are really trained meditators have to change their brain, uh, the signal, like the, the electromagnetic signature that their brain is producing is within their control. And that is amazing. Like, That's amazing. Amazing. Um, 
w- one thing about back to the uh, the trauma stuff and dealing yeah. with trauma. <clears throat> a lot of situations just make it because okay, so due to the context of a lot of traumatic events, many of the people who are victims of trauma or have experienced trauma are are then away from the people who caused it. Mm-hmm. Like for whatever reason. But there are a lot of times when that's not the case. Yeah. And you may still want to have a relationship with those people. And in a vast, vast number of cases, not only are the people who caused the trauma also your like your social group, but they're your source of safety as well. Yeah. So it gets really complicated. How can you deal with your shit and and handle your stuff that just is inexorably tied to other people in your life? How do you handle that without hurting those relationships or kind of forcing those people to also deal with what they've done and what they have experienced themselves? Yeah, that's a great question. So sort of the way that I always approach, like, because I, I mean, I've like lived this, I live it currently. Um, and I, I really do think that there's like two ways this goes, right? And like, obviously there's more than two, but like, um, really... I think it's important to be mindful of the fact that there are certain relationships, right, that like that are not safe for us. They're never going to be safe, right? We call it going to the hardware store for bread. Like in my family, like that's the phrase we use because certain people are capable of certain capacities and being there for certain things and certain people are not. And sometimes like as a kid, you know, like you might go to your mom and be like, oh, mom, like I need to tell you about this exciting thing like I met a guy like whatever and if she doesn't have the capacity for that she's like not going to be able to be there for you right she'll shut you down whatever it is and that's like going to the hardware store for bread um and when you get inside you're like wow there's only hammers and nails like there's no bread here um and so like there are just certain people we're never going to get certain things from right Mm -hmm. but there's also like this place where I think a lot of us crave relationships with these people um, and they are important to us. Like we love them, right? Like, and a lot of our trauma, like the reason our families can push our buttons so well is because they installed them, right? Yeah. Right. So like one of the things that I always try to keep in mind with people is like one, as I'm talking to people about these things is like, okay, what's your family dynamic? Like, is this person actually like a safe person? Is it a little T? Is it a big T um, as far as trauma goes? Because like if someone's like physically abusive, for example, and like still to this day, like even as you've grown up to be an adult, they're like not a safe person, then you have to like decide, OK, do I really want a relationship with this person or do I set my boundaries? And they don't even need to know about boundaries, but like do I need to uphold these boundaries for myself? Um, and they'll know if they cross them. Right. Because you'll set up, you'll reaffirm them. Right. Exactly. Um, But like when it comes to having like a working relationship, I think one of the biggest things is one, forgiveness and compassion, like the ability to see people for who they are. And, you know, our inner child, like often as, as adults, we're able to see like, oh, I really thought my parents were these people. And I use like the example of parents because that's where like it's a it's a lot of time. It is parents. It is for me. Like that's where my work has been is with my parents. So um, and like it translated into like romantic relationships later. But for like me being able to say like, wow, I really can accept my parents for who they are. I didn't know as a kid that 
maybe that my dad was struggling with addiction or that my mom was like highly codependent and they weren't able to like have the capacity for these things. So one, the compassion of like, okay, I can accept you for who you are. And then also now like it's my responsibility to forgive you, to also take care of myself, to also like be be there for my inner child. Like it's called like growing yourself back up to say like, hey, I know you're like wanting love. I know you're wanting an apology from your parents, but you don't need that anymore. Oh, that's a hard one. It is a hard that's one. That's a hard one. But like, here's the trick. This is like something that I recently in the last year have really grasped and like dropped into is I can take care of you. Like I can take care of my inner child. We don't need them anymore. We don't need these survival tactics anymore. We don't need to participate in these things because I can take care of you and I can love you and I can give you what you need. And the I in that is not that inner child. The I in that is the adult. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's interesting. I I did a really effective meditation that I will, I'm going to share it. Um, so I deal with some trauma stuff and it's it's been a pretty prominent feature of my adult life. Yeah. Uh, just figuring it out, figuring out what of my personality is trauma, what is neurodivergence uh, of other types that I'm not even completely sure. Um, and just like, just trying to figure out what, what I am, like what, why I tick the way I do. Right. And part of that has been doing work, just learning about my inner child, I, which I didn't even really give a lot of thought to before because it sounds so like childish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it is. Uh, what I didn't realize is that I was pretty much still letting my inner child call the shots right. until I was in my mid-20s. When I finally realized like, oh, no, I don't have to do all this stuff to protect myself. I don't have to keep myself away from the world. And um, But anyway, I'm getting distracted. So the meditation I did was, well, first of all, backstory, I was having this issue where every time I would talk about this certain period of my life, which up until this point had been fine. I, I talked about it all the time. I would be, I could talk about my abuse and laugh about it Yeah. up until I was like almost 30 years old. And then once I became a dad, that all changed. And I realized like that shit was not funny at all. There's no comedy in it to me at all anymore. The abuse that I uh, kind of experienced and watched my siblings experience and it, it's not funny. And there's, I just don't, I, I can't make it a joke anymore. It just right. would, because, because I'm now a dad and I, and now rather than seeing the story from a little boy's perspective and just trying to make it okay so that the world is a safe place. Mm -hmm. Now I'm the dad in the story. And, and it's like, if I put myself in that position, I'm just like, I, I couldn't imagine. Mm -hmm. um, I couldn't imagine wanting to just letting my kids experience those kind of negative emotions and being okay with it. Mm -hmm. So that fucked me up. Yeah. Uh, like to know that my dad, for whatever reason, was okay with it. And <clears throat> I don't hold it against him. I love him. I, I want good things for him. <clears throat> and part of that is I don't want to make him feel guilty or like, I just don't want it to be something that I have to drag up and talk about because to him, it's long over. Why are you even talking about this anymore? Yeah. This is something that I've put behind me. Like we've moved on and, but it's not over for me because when I'm wrestling with my kid, all of a sudden I have a, a flashback and I start crying. Yeah. It's like, oh fuck, I can't let this be. I can't let this be my life. This can't be the dad that I am. I can't be this fragile person. I got to figure this out. So I, so I started going to therapy and um, it was 
somewhat effective, but just to have someone to talk to where you can just just go off and yeah. just like talk about yourself and just let yourself be ego egocentric. Just yeah. let it out um, because the person on the other side of that is supposed to catch it and be like, hey, look, have you thought about it this way? So it's really effective. Part of that was she's like, you need to do some inner child work. You need to figure out what's going on there. And so I started doing some reading and I had an idea of trying something. So I would pull out one of these memories from my memory bank where that was like scary, that it would bring up physical feelings in my body that I'm just like, holy shit, like I feel like I was there again. Yeah. And so uh, what I wanted to do, I read that there's a difference between the way your brain stores traumatic memories versus the way it stores just regular narrative memories. Yeah. And so when you have a regular memory, like something happens, your your first day of school, your wedding, you remember it as a story. It has a beginning, a middle and an end. And your brain is able to conceptualize that as a piece of your life and put it in your narrative arc. Mm -hmm. And then you don't have to worry about it all the time. It doesn't constantly intrude into your, your physical experience of the world. So the way a traumatic memory is stored, it's emotional, it's highly physical, you feel it, and it's in flashes. It's not in a narrative linear timeline. It's in bits and pieces and some of its large gaps are missing. And it's just like, yeah. it's, it's fucking confusing. For sure. So I wanted to take one of those memories and make it into the narrative kind. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was just like, I don't know, maybe this will work. So what I did is I meditated. I got, once I was good deep into the meditation to where I wasn't, you know, like feeling my back against, I mean, to where I was, I was deep. And then I, uh, I placed myself as an adult, as the person I am today, into that reality in my memory where me and my brother were just little boys and we had just gotten in trouble uh, and, you know, been punished. And now we were outside in our fort and we were just like hanging out. And so I literally in my mind drove my work truck that I drive today every day just to anchor myself into this this consciousness, yeah. into this adult version of myself to not let myself be ripped back into the perspective of that scared little boy. Yeah. And it worked. Like I drove my work truck to my old house, which doesn't even exist anymore. It's been torn down even though I still have dreams that take place there like all the time. Yeah. And it's, it feels very real. Um, I still have dreams where cars pull up to my house in the middle of the night and I have to run out the back. Mm -hmm. it's That didn't happen. Right. Like, I don't know why that is. I mean, I it kind of happened actually, <laughs> but not exactly like that. A car pulled up to my window in the middle of the night and two guys got out and were like looking through my window. But they were looking for my dad. Yeah. Um, and then, but they pulled in like from the back, like not even in our driveway through like, like the, the bushes yeah. in our back of our property. And uh, that scared the fuck out of me. But um, anyway, I get into this truck, I drive there, I park and I walk out to the fort and I can see my brother and me and we're like playing and it kept trying to rip me into the memory. Mm -hmm. And I started feeling it and I'd start to feel like I couldn't breathe. And then I just had to take a couple slow breaths, like really really actively bring myself back to now to here yeah. and now like that is not you that's not you treat this kid like it's a, a kid you're trying to help not like it's you and i did that and i just went in there and i talked to him i'm like look you guys didn't do like there's nothing you could have done about that it, uh, it's just it is what it is and we had a conversation about it and i just let it end 
And then mm-hmm. I got back in my car and I drove away and then I, I finished the meditation. And since then, I, ha- I can now think about that incident without having a big emotional episode. I don't, it doesn't feel like I'm there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And when I like, yeah, it's, it was very handy. So try yeah. that if you're, if you're having issues. <laughs> Have you ever read The Body Keeps Score? I'm reading it right now. Okay. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a great book. It is a great book. I, um, I had to read it in doses I found because like it can be a lot, right? To sit with. Um, it's exhausting. It is. It's, it's heavy. It's heavy for sure. Um, but it's, I think it's kind of goes in line with what you're talking about, like 100 percent of yeah. of even though like your brain can't like piece together these this story or like why this happened or conceptualize like the whole event, mm-hmm. our bodies like physically remember. Yeah. And we have like these memories in our in our in our like literal tissue, in yeah. our literal like actual physical bodies, even though our brain might not remember something. And I think that that's like very in line with like kind of the healing you did there. You know, you were able to release something in your body and bring it into your consciousness, into your brain to then, you know, process. Not, exactly. Process it. Yeah, yeah. That's the word. Yeah. What What do you think about ancestral trauma? That well, gets yeah. even more complicated. It does. Um, but it's re- I really think it's real. Um, no doubt in my mind it's real. Oh, for sure. You know, like so I'm going to get a little out there for a sec, but. So about um, two years ago now, I did an Akashic reading, which is where you kind of tap into your past lives Um, and you tap into like your ancestral lineage. And so the Akashic records are stored in the earth. For a long time, I really felt like, oh, like I didn't understand them. I thought that they were like, you know, like a an elusive thing like the amazon cloud right exactly like the amazon cloud but it's actually like there's st- it's stored in the ground like rocks mountains are like huge for akashic records um and information like that because the earth just like our bodies keep score her body keeps score right so um there's a memory of everything right and so i um did this reading and tapped into my you know, I because at the time I was specifically really struggling with, again, um, breaking away from my family. I was in a really unhealthy relationship um, and I felt like I couldn't leave, like leaving felt like life or death. Like I felt like I had to stay there and make it work for at all costs. And I also felt like I was very, I'm very like drawn to the Iwako, like to the place I'm from. Um, and I felt like I couldn't leave the land. And so I found out in this reading that my family, my ancestors, and the more research I did after it, like, affirmed this. So my ancestors settled to Owako from Wales, and um, they took a vow to protect the land. Um, They vowed, the reason we left Wales is because we could no longer hear God's voice because of, you know, um, the expansion of England, essentially. Um, and so we left. We couldn't hear God's voice. We wanted to get reconnected with God. So they sailed over to Iwako um, and settled in Iwako amongst the Native people. And um, they took a vow and made a treaty, essentially, with the Native people that, like, we will protect this land for you and for us because we could hear God's voice speak, right? Like, God as in the earth um and we could like get information and so what i found out is that like 
I feel my mom feels it's like very clear in our lineage that like there's this like, oh, I have to like I have to stay here. I can't leave. I have to pretend like I'm I'm drawn to something here. And it's because it's like an ancestral issue. It's not it's not mine. I don't own it. So I actually like did a lot of meditating and a lot of releasing and like releasing my soul from this vow. And um, so. So you want out of the vow. I want out of the vow. I want out of the vow. You know, I feel like I didn't make the vow. You didn't make the vow. I didn't make the vow. It's not my vow to keep. You know what I'm saying? So you're doing a good job so far, but you don't have to do it forever. No, exactly. Like, hey, I, I love it. It's a sacred place to me. It's super special. Um, I get a lot of visuals like in my I dream about places I've never been. And I can like watch myself in places that like do things in places that I don't understand. And then like maybe later I'll have like deja vu and be like, oh, I don't do you have this. like dream places, like regular locations that your dreams occur. Yes. Like some are real, some are not, some are semi-real. Yes. What are some of your dream locations? So Cape Disappointment is like, I'll just be sitting on the rocks and like all this stuff will happen. And I'm just like, good Lord, get you know, that's like part of the, I mean, it feels super safe to me. I love it. Mm-hmm. But it's been one of those things for the longest time. I was like, why here? Um, it was really probably where you made the vow, it, right? It is actually probably where the vow was made, and it does seem like a spiritually like sacred area. Oh, for sure. Like, also, Chinook does. Oh, for like, sure. The park just down there it feels like very good energy at that park. And like when I'm looking up at the hillside of, at Fort Columbia, I I am always just like struck by the beauty of that hillside. Yeah, it looks so pristine, even though it's like been fully developed and everything. It's just I love it. It's oh, a great for spot. sure. This land is is beautiful. It's like, honestly, where we live is such a beautiful place. Um, I mean, there's a Chinook village right down the road. And yeah. it's like not even acknowledged by I the know. federal government. I know. That's a bummer. I I actually made my family sign the petition to acknowledge it because I was like, hey, we helped colonize it. Like, let's help recognize it. Yeah. Um, and it's our, it's our duty. Um, but no, like, it is a super sacred place. I also find myself like, it's always by water. Um, some of these places, I have no idea where they are. I really feel that they're real, though. Recently, this is kind of crazy, but I had been having these dreams about me in this mount, like in a valley. Like I was in a valley, in a mountain. There's all this water. Um, and I could like see the place so specifically. And I was like, gosh, like this feels real, but I have no idea where it is. So a few weeks go by, I get an email um, recently from, because I am actually looking to study with um, they're called the Kiro people in Peru, which they have ancient earth wisdom. And I'm just looking to learn it for no other reason other than to just like understand and expand my ability to understand like ancient cultures. Right. And, um, when I went on the website, it was the weirdest thing. The pictures of where they live is the place I've been dreaming about. No shit. Yeah. That's cool. It's super cool. Yeah. Definitely follow that. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm going. I'm. I'm in. So. Do you notice synchronicities like that a lot? Where you'll like you'll just have even things that are seemingly insignificant coincidences, but are so like the probability of them occurring is so astronomically small that it's just like how is this not significant? Like, uh, if you just talked about some random like uh, I don't know, like some candy bar that you loved when you were a kid, but it's been off the market for twenty years, and then. 30 seconds after you talk about it, person on the TV show you're watching mentions it or something, makes a joke about it. That kind of shit happens to me constantly. Yeah. And I really I really think that it it is something on another level that is like beyond our ability to perceive, but it has to do with other dimensional awareness and and 
some kind of like timeline thing that I, I take them as like signposts. It's just like, all right, you're you're in the right place at the right time. Continue sure. on, continue on. And I just keep, I see more, the more I notice it, the more often I see them. I see them every day. Oh, for sure. Like they happen constantly. Yeah, that's awesome. And I definitely do too. Um, you know, like it's kind of one of those things, like once you've been made aware, like once you take the glasses off, you can't really unsee it, right? The red pill. It is the red pill. I've never seen The Matrix. What? I know. Get the fuck out. <laughs> I know. I know. Go home immediately I and watch it. Okay. Like, that is so important. It is a documentary about the world. Okay. It, yeah. Like, the so that movie came out in 1999. Yeah. I was in fifth grade. And I didn't probably see it till sixth or seventh grade. Like, okay. Um, maybe not even that long. But everyone was obsessed with it for the graphics because it had like 3D shots and frozen shots. Like the, there was right. some iconic cinematography in that film. And uh, it's a it's a beautifully made film. But years and years would go by where, I mean, like it was my favorite movie for years. And I had no idea what it was about. Like it is basically the allegory of Plato's cave. Oh, Built yeah. into a, you know, dystopian futuristic uh storyline but it's 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 basically just to tell us that like look what you see in front of your face is just one thing mm -hmm. and it, and there is so much beyond that that you have no perception of or no ability to perceive and it, some people are are able to wake up and see that yeah and that's that's basically the whole movie in a nutshell that sounds like exactly like something i should watch you'd um, probably love it yeah definitely like I haven't seen the new one, though. There's a fourth one now oh. that just came out. I see. I literally didn't even know there was more than one. So I'm behind yeah. the times. It's fine. The sec the, the sequels I saw, I like I built them up too much because they came out when I was like a senior in high school, probably. And it was disappointing. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, they're still great movies. But I was like I was so obsessed with the first one for years. I get leading it. Up yeah. to that I, was, I built them up too much. I was like, oh, they were a little disappointing. Yeah, yeah. In fact, like the they did a spoof on those for, I think it was the Video Music Awards where Will Ferrell played like the the architect. I enjoyed that comedy bit more than the actual movie. <laughs> I used to watch that all the time. That's hilarious. I love that. That's great. Um, you know, like one of my favorite sayings is like seeing the forest through the trees. Like some people just see trees but like, can you conceptualize that there's a whole forest in those trees? So it's like the same thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I love looking at the world, not just the world, but pretty much all of existence. You can zoom way out, you can zoom way in and things look pretty much the same. Yeah. Like that's, that's something that is a hint to me that there's, there's just more to the structure of reality, to everything. For sure. The fact that you can look at the structure of, uh, you know, capillaries in your circulatory system and they look identical to rivers from a yes. plane and things like that oh yeah like we are the earth yeah yeah we're all made of the same stuff we're all one thing mm -hmm. one big thing that can also though that can also be kind of a daunting thought because it makes people feel insignificant for sure which we are we are i mean like i hate to like it, it's so weird because we are and we're not like yeah you know we all have like lessons to learn we all have a reason that we're here to like to grow and expand right that's why we're here yet part of that expansion i think is really accepting like the vastness of the world and the universe and like like outer space is like the most fascinating thing because it's just like if you think about everything in the world 
and you standing like you and I sitting right here and the entire world like yeah it's a it can be like a little overwhelming maybe is the word like it's like oh damn we are a little insignificant but I think that that's kind of like takes the pressure off in a way exactly I feel so comforted by that thought yeah it's like oh well what I do isn't that big of a deal right yeah yeah I think that's a good a really good awareness to to have to hold because people take their lives so seriously oh for sure and it ruins it it does it takes all the joy out of it yeah you have to have some some lightness to it yeah it's heavy enough you know like there's gonna be things that happen that make life heavy and you know we all have to like in the modern world we have got to have jobs we've got to like pay bills there's all this stuff that's like uh but when you're able to like find just like the like joy and also like i think take the pressure off yourself like laugh a little like mistakes are like actually one essential and two like i don't even believe in mistakes that's like a thing that i actually i don't believe that we make mistakes um but it's like when you can like laugh at yourself and like actually be like oh like i can't believe that i thought that that was true or i can't believe like that's hilarious that i that i uh you know, was so hard on myself about something that I ended up right, like getting or doing. And I didn't even like for me, it was like going to Los Angeles and being an actor. Like I put so much pressure on myself in those years that I was down there and studying and um, doing that. And I like made that decision as a child that like, this is my passion. This is who I am. This is like who I will be forever. And you're the youngest kid. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's not a that's not a strange impulse to want to be a performer and want to get that attention. You probably have been working for it your whole life. Oh, for sure. Right. Like, I mean, yes, my poor sisters. Well, not really for you. <laughs> like the little the littlest kid in the family is always like the funniest one at the end of the day. They're the funniest because they have to be because yeah. these other kids are so far ahead of them in development that like you better be sharp with a joke if you're going to be getting one in on these kids who are five years older than you or whatever. Yeah, for sure. That was definitely like to this day. My sister, I'm, I mean, I've got a, you know, I can be a little sharp tongued and I'll do it to my mom and my sister like dies laughing. She's my biggest cheerleader. But, you know, I was like so critical and like thought that that's what I wanted. And then to like be in it and doing it, I was like, wow, I don't want this. But I felt like I couldn't quit. I felt like I couldn't walk away because like I said I wanted it. Yeah. You know? And you already set up the the conditions of failure. Right. So, so you were doomed to fail in the first place because you're like, oh, because that's the way you were going to view it. If if you quit, that's a failure. If you would have from the very beginning been like, I'm going to go try this thing and envision it going either direction. Right. Like, don't hope too much for any one outcome. It becomes a lot easier to not view quitting as a failure. For sure. For sure. And like, that's what I really realized at the end of the day was like, wait, like. I'm the one who's like forcing myself to do Nobody's making me do this. And I don't have to do something that's not lighting me up. I really think we should follow what lights us up, you know? Yeah. That is hard for a lot of people to even find. Oh, for sure. How? What, what's your recommendation? How do you find what lights you up if you don't feel like anything's lighting you up? Yeah, I think, you know, it starts with like, think about like, what's the most like wild thing? Like if you could do anything with your life, right? Like think about that. Like if you could be anywhere in the world, Money's not an issue. Like whatever your responsibilities are, aren't an issue. You could do whatever you want, right? Like start dreaming like that. Start seeing. And okay, so like maybe you're like, oh, like for me, it was traveling the world, right? Like that was it. Like that is it still right now. Like I just love to travel. I love to see new things. 
but to actually get to a place where I was like, oh, I can I can actually follow what like brings me joy and light and like let go of the stress of money, let go of the stress of like what will happen if I'm gone for like extended months at a time. Um, you know, I started to like really dream and just like envision, even if it's like, oh, like what would light me up is like walking on the beach every day for an hour, like envision how you can actually do that and then start to try it, start to do it. And I think like also finding this is like something not everyone knows how to do, but listening to your body. I was just going to say that. That's where I would go with it is, is just scale back. Start at the beginning. Think of your body as like this animal that you need to take care of. Like what does the, what does the animal need? It needs sunlight. It needs social interaction. It needs love. It needs to give and receive love. Yeah. It, you know, it has, it has needs. And once you, if anyone listening just sits down and thinks about it, most likely you can think of lots of ways you're not meeting those needs. For sure. I know I can any given day. Same. So when I'm feeling like shit or I'm feeling like nothing is sparking up that inspiration feeling, I'll just start with the, the human animal. It's like, do I have the right kind of food in my body? Not really. Have I slept well? No. Mm-hmm. You know, am I getting enough fresh air? No. Like, no wonder I don't feel inspired because I've got myself in a fucking box. Yeah. Like, that's not like my consciousness needs to take better care of this animal that is in its care. Yes. And it will feel better. Like, that's just simple, simple mathematics right there. You just put the good stuff in, you get the good stuff out. Exactly. No, exactly. It is that. And and kind of seeing, like, exploring where in your body these things show up. Like, where do you feel um, the joy? Like, where do you feel that, like, you know, excitement and fear feel very similar sometimes. Yeah. And learning to differentiate between the two, like, and slow down and say, like, oh, am I excited about this or am I, am I scared to do it? And, like, being able to say, like, I'm actually excited like it's the same physical sensation the same arousal is happening in your body but you have to make sense of it with top-down processing for sure there's a very famous study where they had people participants in the study had to go across a a long like footbridge and at the other end of the bridge they had to answer questions on a survey and the person giving the survey questions was a smoking hot girl and these are all straight men walking across the thing and at the end of the survey she hands her card and says, if you have any questions about this survey or if you're feeling upset, like, you know, the standard psychological debriefing yeah. following a participation in a research project, she gives them their card. And then what the actual study was is the the researchers wanted to see how many of those men ended up calling her. And um, they also surveyed them after this, I think, and, and said, like, how attracted were you to this person? And they also did it another round with a less attractive person, I think. Yeah. I don't remember exactly what the conditions were, but what they found was that people have a really hard time distinguishing between sexual attraction, like arousal from sexual attraction, and arousal from fear. Yeah. Because of going over this bridge, they were aroused already, and they thought the person at the end was more attractive than they would have otherwise thought. Yeah. It's it's your circumstances of what you're feeling shape how you see the world and what you believe to be true. Yeah. Even about your own feelings. It's, it's really crazy. It is crazy. It, and it, you know, like, have you read Brene Brown's new book? No. So the Atlas of the Heart, she talks about feelings and like she did a survey across all of her social media platforms and they had like 70,000 or like more results that they had to like sort through. And she like studies um, like feelings, emotions. She's like a data analysis on emotion, right? That's like her job. 
Um, and she wrote this book about how there are actually like 80 some emotions that we can feel and like they're all encompassed into these like different things and these different categories and they when we don't have the language to describe like certain sensations it actually limits the human experience and it's like a fascinating book and also she has like an hbo um like series on it she turned it into a series because she just likes to make like stuff accessible for everybody you know she's great i love her i love her that kind of reminds me of like the if we don't have a word for something the actual concept is harder to bring up in your mind um some cultures don't have a word for a separate word for pink they just call it light red and so in those cultures it's not a separate color and but to an american pink and red are two different colors that's and fascinating yeah we conceptualize it completely different just based on language alone yeah that's so fascinating yeah it's like try to imagine a color that you have never seen before you can't really do it right yeah we're not able to do that and um yeah, I actually just heard a thing the other day that there are some women that have an additional cone in their uh, in their iris that can iris or retina. I don't know. They have an additional cell that can read another color from the you know electromagnetic spectrum that most women and all men cannot see. That's amazing. Yeah, that's the, they can actually see another color. That's, yeah, that's a whole like an additional component to reality. For sure. And that shows us, right? Like our perception is not always matter of fact, right? It's not always like the end all say all be all of everything. There's no objective reality. It's yeah. it's a complete construction that we all agree on, but none of us are there. None of us can interact with it in any way. It's It's just completely an abstraction. Yeah, for sure. Which is a hard thing to accept. But once you do, it makes the world way easier yeah like are you into quantum physics i mean so i you know on the tiktok i hear about this stuff yeah i hear like i'm first of all i just want to say like not the best at like like i love science i'm fascinated by it and i i love like learning new things but i myself could not be a quantum physicist oh you're not good at quantum physics no. get in line nobody is i know right but it's so fascinating <laughs> it, to it's to really really it. fascinating yeah i i just recently was in the shower thinking about how how to conceptualize the field, the quantum field, uh, as like a thing in itself. And I, I had a really powerful visual in my mind that made sense of it for me. So like, step away for a second from your experience as a human with a narrative, with a linear time perception. All of that goes away and just picture open whiteness, just a white space, just like on the Matrix. Okay, yes. When they load in all the guns, um, you're in this white space. It has no time, no dimension, no direction. It is just there. And within that space, which is infinite, you have the the quantum field, which is all possibilities. Every possible combination of molecules assembled in every possible order. Every possible combination. And you could graph that mathematically because there's a certain number of elements there's a certain number of, of molecules atoms and all that stuff you could you could put it into a quantum computer and you could you could represent that if you had enough computing power so if you can represent the all of potential in this think of it like a cloud right it, it looks like a cloud then one drop of consciousness human consciousness 
it, like, you just drop it in there into that cloud and it catches somewhere and it starts at a random place and it and all of that cloud is all exists the, its potential it's nothing has materialized into three dimensions yet but it takes that drop of consciousness and that's enough with the magnetism of consciousness through human thought and perception to pull some of that quantum material from the field and materialize it into three dimensions like bring it into a tight enough density yeah. to experience it from a, a perceptive place and from there then time is going to be evolved no matter what because of the way we experience reality so you're basically gonna that that drop of con, of perception will start moving through the quantum field yeah. and pulling more thought in and materializing it into three dimensions to me that seems like a, a an origin for consciousness out of and and really for a physical universe so when you have that's just one after a certain amount of time say about a hundred years it's going to look like a river it just carved through that but in three dimensions mm -hmm. um, because it, in this representation uh if you put billions and billions of those just those drops of consciousness into the field all at the same time they're going to intersect they're going to you know influence each other and yeah. they're going to overlap. When two of them are on the same line, they're going to experience a very similar version of reality. When two of them are very, very far apart, they're going to experience a very different view of reality. Yeah. And the the closer you get, the more things are alike. And that you could you could lay the multiple worlds or the many worlds uh, hypothesis with multiple universes, parallel universes. You could lay that right over the top of that, and it, and it fits. And yeah. Because let's say you're you're on one of these strands that's like like an ant carving a tunnel through dirt. You're on one of these strands. The the quantum material that's just outside of your strand is things that are, that are the parallel universes that are the most like yours, where mm -hmm. stuff is just a little bit different, maybe just a little one thing different. And then the further away you get, the less likely it is to be, to resemble anything you know or understand. And um, I would like to see that made in 3D. I think that would be a really... A, a much easier way to to kind of conceptualize quantum mechanics in that we're trying all we are doing as human beings with consciousness is we are pulling things from the quantum world of possibility by our thoughts and we are materializing them into physical reality yeah over and over and over and over again all day long every day that's what we do as humans 100 percent. yeah it's i find that fascinating me too like hearing that too just now you know it is like exciting it's super exciting and it is fascinating like we there's infinite possibilities yeah like we have potentials potential we don't even understand and we're limited to that potential by the thoughts and the the way that we perceive our reality but if we can like expand beyond that and really open our consciousness and which is very frowned upon like by the the powers that be for sure frowned upon I why mean, do you think that is um, well, so I know the answer, by the way. Oh, it's hard to control people. Uh, yeah, that's what I was just going to say. When they're all doing their own thing and they're all thinking independent thoughts and they're all trying to find answers. That's a hard group to control. Oh, for sure. And it's like power loves fear, you know, um, and our powers that be, they're not like power. OK, this is a thing that I love. And Brene Brown said it power when it's shared and it's used how it's supposed to be used. It grows. It's expansive, just like possibilities, right? When when we can share power as a society and grow together and 
expand as a group in that way. Like everyone, think of the possibilities that exist if everyone's empowered, if everybody feels um, like like they have, you know, some authority, power. some power, yeah. some some possibility, right? The Our powers that be really love, instead of power to the people, they like power over the people. Because when there's power over the people, and how do you get power over the people? You scare them. You, you know, you make it so that they can't think about these things because they're in survival mode. They think they need you. Yeah. They depend on you and they think that you, um, you know, without you, like what will happen? They're afraid. And yeah, it's exactly that. It's control. It all comes back down to control. It does seem like people are starting to wake up to that. I, I, I see it a lot more now than I did five years ago, where people are just like, I, I'm not so sure that the news is telling the truth. Yeah. I'm not so sure that the government is doing what's in our best interest. That has become a very common topic of conversation. Yeah. Thank, thank God. Because oh, yeah. The thing is, too, that's funny. The government, quote unquote, the government is not an entity that makes like that doesn't have thoughts. The government is is a nameless, faceless entity made up of individual humans who have emotions and do have thoughts and stuff. And somehow those interests need to align with the interests of the general public. And at this point, they just don't. They don't. No, they just don't. They don't at all. Exactly. And it is like, it's crazy to me that we like put trust, like blindly, like blind trust, blind faith. I mean, that's a thing that's kind of encouraged in like modern society is like just trust your government, just trust that these things are true, right? And that's how cults work. Oh, for sure. Like, this feels kind of cultish sometimes. Sometimes it does. It does. The yeah. cult of consumerism. Oh, for sure. Like, you know, it feels like we're, uh, like, what's the word? I, I don't want to use the wrong word, but it feels like maybe, like, we're, like, uh, like, farmed in a way. Like we're in these, like, pods of pink goo with tubes coming out of us and we're just batteries right like we just contribute That's from the matrix oh my god i gotta watch the gotta matrix. watch this the is matrix. a full circle moment no yeah. exactly i do i need to watch it because it is exactly that's how it feels you you will really like the movie it's a good movie okay i'm gonna watch it i'm gonna watch it tonight it might not hold up honestly it's been a while since i watched it it was 99 but it was state of the art state of the art listen my favorite movie of all time is the titanic so oh, that is that was 99 also i think it was like 94 or 5 no no yes, it way. was nope nope couldn't have been we have to look this up because it was no because when i was three like when i was three years old i started reenacting scenes from it like regularly that that makes sense so, so I was like in 94, you were in 94, you were not even born. No, I was born in 95, but I, I started watching it very shortly after there. So maybe it came out in 95. My guess is 98 or 97. Let's look it up. Let's look it up because I don't know. I don't know. Hey, Siri. When was Titanic made? Not the boat. Siri, when was James Cameron's Titanic made? I'm going to start over. That's okay. Hey, Siri. When, uh -huh. when did James Cameron make the movie Titanic? Here's an answer from Wikipedia. Titanic is a 1997 American epic yes. romance and okay, disaster right. film directed, written, produced, and co-edited by James Cameron. Okay, so yeah, you were right. That makes sense, though. That makes sense. That's the first time I ever saw boobs in a movie theater. I know. I was like definitely obsessed with it for the sex. Um, 
the passion. Like my parents did not please what we watched at all. And that also like created some really like interesting perceptions of like the world romance, whatever for me as a young child. And then like as I grew, my parents were like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, well, maybe it's like the rom-coms. Yeah. Like, why'd you guys let me like, first of all, like forbidden love seemed just like so attractive. Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. And then like sacrifice and like all Romeo these Romeo and Juliet is such a weird story. It's not even like a real romance. It's two kids who have like a three-day relationship and end up dying. Yeah. It's gross. It's, it's super. Sad. It is. It's super weird and sad. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's a classic. It is. Hey, I love Shakespeare. Different time. Shakespeare is good. It, it's kind of timeless. It is. It is. I'm always shocked when I find it good, too, because it I don't I don't know why I would just assume that it's something I don't kind of like Jane Austen. It's like, I'm not going to like that shit. And I don't. Yeah. <laughs> but Shakespeare, I do. Yeah. I like it. I like the uh, I like the way it flows. It does. It has like a nice rhythm to it. You know, yeah. it's written like that. Um, what is it? Iambic pentameter? Yeah. Something uh, like that. Yep. Yep. That's what it is. The. Yeah, it's I think it's probably because the structure and some of the archetypes that were established in those stories have been recycled countless times through the ages. Still to this day. Yeah, 100 percent. Like very popular stories. Oh, my gosh. The other day we watched 10 Things I Hate About You. And I was like, this is about the taming of the shrew. And my sister was like, what? I was like, it's a Shakespeare play, The Taming of the Shrew. And it's a great it's a great show. There is probably so many films that people are unaware are based on Shakespearean plays. Oh, for sure. And there is like a ton of Shakespearean plays that like aren't popular, but are still like used to inspire modern writing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cool guy. Uh, Yeah, I think I assume. Yeah. Well, he so I had to study like the origins of of acting Mm. and um when I went to college, because I went to an acting conservatory. So literally all you did was act for 12 hours a day. Oh, man. Yeah. You must have been in there with some annoying people. Oh, my God. Yes. And like... And no offense. Actors are great. They're we, great. We need them. But they can get on your nerves. No, like the the theater, like the musical theater, theater kids. Folks. Yes. Theater folks. Yes. They go They go. Hard. I love them. But I love them. But I love them, too. They're an acquired taste. I can't judge because like literally I'm one of them. But I was always that one. And like that I started smoking a lot of weed in college and... They were always like, she's just too cool for school kind of energy. But um, I still, I love to act, like still to this day. I, it's part of me. It's part of who I am. But it's very fun. It is. And and it's like part of being human. What I learned is I loved it so much because it's like encompassing to the work I do now. Like it's about the human experience. You it, know, what's kind of funny is that when you're acting you and you feel this, that when you bump up against that dissonance where you're like, this is pretending. I'm I'm pretending. It almost feels dishonest in a way. And if it's not dishonest, then it's silly. And you're like, your ego is trying so hard to break you down and not let you do it. I, and some people are able to just completely ignore that and just become fully entrenched in a character and, and just just be it fully. But it's really, really hard. And I think that it what it is actually speaking to is people's, the fact that people are doing that on a daily basis everywhere they go. And uh, yeah. everything they they do is is a character they're playing that they have established as their identity. But it's really just another character. For sure. And you, you have to make sure everything you're doing is aligning with the character. And the I hate that shit. I stopped doing that. And it, my life got much easier. But people think I'm way weirder because oh. I'm less consistent. Oh, same. I'm so not consistent. That's like something that I struggle with really hard. I am the most inconsistent person on the face. I mean, not like obviously that's dramatic, but I am really inconsistent. I'm like... Not a great friend. Um, I'm available a lot less. 
to people that like, you know, like maintaining like childhood relationships or um, even like I'm, a, I'm like, I hate dating. I am not available. And it's something that I've realized is like, I'm okay with it because it's more genuine. Like if I really want to do something, I'm going to do it. And if I don't want to do something, like, why force myself? Why play this role that, like, and obviously, like, there's a fine line between, like, okay, like, you know, there's certain things we have to do and, like, be available for. But yeah, it's something I struggled with for a long time. I was like, God, I'm, like, a bad person. But it's like, no, I'm not a bad person. Like, if I, if my body is, like, I don't want to go do that thing or, like, go be social or, like, maintain a relationship with someone that, like, I haven't talked to in 10, 15 years. It's like, that's okay, you know? Yeah. It's And you can tell the difference between it's I don't want to go because I truly just don't want to experience that thing. I don't want to do it. I have no interest in doing that. Or if it's just like, I'm just afraid that it right. might be awkward, but I really do want to go. Like yeah. those, those are two very different things, even though they feel very similar. But like you got to be able to tell the difference because if you just hide from everything, it's, you're not going to feel good. No, for but sure. If you also, if you just try to people please all the time, you're also not going to feel good. It's just a balancing act. It is. Life is a balancing act for sure. So what do you think is going on with, why Why do you think that they overturned Roe v. Wade? I have, I have some theories. I, I just, it seems so fucking crazy to me that, that it doesn't, I, I just, my mind can't, can't really wrap, I can't wrap my head around how it could happen. Like, I do not believe that the people who made that decision truly think that all of half more than half the country believes that this is the way it should be i just i can't is it because i'm in an echo chamber or is there some fuckery going on what do you, what do you think uh, yeah you know it's a i think it might be both right yeah i think it might be both because here's the thing that like has been that scares me a little bit it's not even scares me it's just like i can't really conceptualize it because it's like so far out of like my thought field that like Men are afraid of, like, women. Well, that's always been true. Right. Right. They it, have all they have all the uteruses. Right. We. I mean, hey, we've got the power, but, um, like, why is our government afraid of us? Like, why? What, what the fuck do they care? Like... See, I don't think that's what it is. I think that's a false narrative that's just so easy because people who are mad can, can say that and the government's just like, yeah, well, what does it really even mean? Whatever. And nothing will happen. But I, I think there there has to be like a legitimate reason, like specific re- other than just a general thing like, oh, the government's afraid of women because we know that is true. They're afraid of all people. Oh, for sure. Like, you know, I th- so I was reading something recently that like, I mean, there are lower birth rates there are all these things. But part of me feels like it's this like can sound conspiracy theory like, you know, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I am a that sounds really true thing. Um, kind of, I'll, I'll, I'll hop on those trains. Me too. And, um, I'll, I'll drive them. Exactly. Like, so I really think that, you know, what has been like the goal for the last, let's say eight years, division, division, 100% division. And if we're divided, we can't really come together to work on these very real issues and say like, wait a second, like you, I don't, how many people are in the Supreme Court? Eight? Six, eight, yeah. eight people. Okay. Right? Eight or eight, nine? I think it's eight. Okay. It's, yeah. So, and then the president. So it's like, how are eight people and the president, who really doesn't even have that much power, in charge of all of us, right? Like, making these decisions for all of us. And I think if we come together as a collective 
they know they're a little bit fucked. And they don't know which direction it's going to go. Right. When they have the country split up into two factions, both with very clear goals and opinions, that's a pretty easy system to control. Right. You you have a gas pedal and a brake. You can go either direction. But when everybody's one cohesive populace and you really, as a leader, don't know exactly what they're going to want to do, especially in the future, that's a much less um, desirable situation for the country. Oh, for sure. I think you're right. I think that's exactly what it is. I think that the timing of, of them doing this Roe v. Wade reversal was was very strategic because of where we are in the election cycle. I think that it's all just part of a, a much larger plan, and I don't know what that plan is. No, me either. You know, so have you read about the f- food shortages? Yeah. So it's like seems like a pretty good distraction from like real fucking issues. Like, yeah, like the fact that like the world globally water, the whole clean drinking water situation. That's so scary. That's terrifying. And we live in a very wet place. Like we'll be some of the last people to still have clean, clean drinking fresh water. And then wars will likely develop here because for our water, for our water right? Yeah. Like seriously. And so like it's great distraction. Like, hey, yeah, be mad about. I mean, like, yeah, be mad. But also like what is the what's the end goal? Yeah. And I think that like, yeah, I don't know what it is. I'm a little nervous to find out. Me too. I think that it is to delay Part of it's to delay the inevitable, the, like the inevitable consequences of climate change. Yeah. And I, that's the same reason I think they're giving us fake clouds, uh, which I, I, I say that jokingly, but there's a part of me that really does think that that is happening. Yeah. Because of the fact that how important it is to keep some moisture in here before we burn all of our forests down. Like there is, it's really easy for me to play that out in my mind and be like, oh yeah, that technology exists. There are people who have the, ability to do it without it causing a big ruckus yeah i bet they would do it oh they would i mean like why wouldn't they yeah they do a lot of other shit that like that that we don't know about and we just kind of like go about our lives people get legitimately angry when you suggest that you know like uh there's weather manipulation going on or any of the really crazy out there things that i always just start off with as entertainment Oh, yeah. Like, just because that's what stimulates my brain. Yeah. Like, to, to hear, like, what crazy shit are people believing these days? And then that that is one that I have over, like, the last 10 years, probably, I have paid attention. I have watched the skies. I've gone in and out of being like, it's possible. It's not possible. But I really feel like it's possible. At this point, I would say, like, why not, you know? Yeah. Like, hey, we just talked about how there are infinite possibilities. It's possible. It's definitely possible. And... Just, yeah. The one I can't get behind is the, like, birds being... Oh, birds being robots. Yeah, like, I can't... I'm like, no, have you ever watched... I'm around the birds all the time. They're real 100%. No, thank you. Like, this is, like, what I'm saying. I'm like, the government did not kill all... Like, they've got way bigger fish to fry than replacing the birds. I think that's more of an urban conspiracy. Right. People who don't spend a hell of a lot of time around birds because... Yes. Out here, we've got a lot of birds. I started my day today. I Actually, I finished my day yesterday... um, by talking some shit to a crow at the park. Yeah. That crow followed me home and brought three of his friends and sat on my gutter and like cawed at me while I was standing on my porch. And I was like, this this really happened. Yeah. And that bird was not a robot. No, 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 no. Crows are the worst. Yeah. A little bit. I lo- so, they're, they're shy. They're shysty. Yeah. Like, so 
eagles follow me. And it's like a beautiful thing because it came to me in my life when I really needed it. I like, this is, uh, I was like on the beginning of my, really my spiritual journey. I was at rock bottom in my life. I was going, I actually had just had an abortion and I was like going through some really hard things. And um, I was leaving like my toxic abusive relationship. And so I like really came to like surrendering to the universe and surrendering to everything that is and just a good place oh surrender's the best place even though it can be painful oh yeah for sure and um it was painful but at the same time like i think the when we can allow ourselves to grieve it is powerful so true it's so powerful and so anyway these like i was talking to the universe one day and i was just like please like, you know, keep guiding me on my path. And like this eagle came and I was like, wow, this is so strange. Like I didn't think much of it. And then a few days later, I was like losing my mind. And I was like, I got to go. And so I went to the cemetery to see my grandpa, great guy. And uh, I was just like crying to him and like asking him to just like really, you know, give me guidance and to like really like send love to my I, I agree. I had to grieve when, like, I had that abortion. It was definitely a difficult thing, oh, yeah. even though it was the right decision. So I was really asking him to just, like, send my love to that child and, like, let them know that one day we will meet. Like, when I'm ready, come find me. And, um, a, like, a an eagle came and, like, landed right on his. He's in a columbarium and, like, was right there and, like, stared at me. And I was like, okay, I'm here. I surrender. Yeah. So now I just like will be like thinking something. That gave me goosebumps. I'm serious. Like I'll just be having things and like having thoughts or like going through something and then an eagle will just like come to me. And I'm like, okay, okay. Would you say that's the animal that you would associate the most with like significance in to you? Yeah, at this point. Yeah, for sure. Like I uh, hesitate to use the term, but like a spirit animal. Yes, I hesitate to use the term too, but I would say that's my spirit animal. Yeah, it's been very much hijacked by... Uh, White people. I know. White people be hijacking everything. Yeah, we take all the good stuff. We do. And we like... Sell it. Figure out a way to sell it. And we like twist it a little bit. Yeah. To make it a little like out of context of what it actually is. Yeah. That is very true. But at the same time, I'm still white and I still want to, you know, appropriate a little bit. I like, I want to use some of the cool shit that other people have. Oh, for sure. And it's it's hard to do that um, in this world respectfully because yes. you look like such a tool. Like, so shamanism is a great example. Yes. There are some very Caucasian shamans and it's probably a bit of an uphill battle. Oh, for sure. Just like, just to be accepted. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, I think what sucks is a lot of people who are not, who are doing it out of the stance of appropriation and aren't doing it appropriately or correctly. Um or like learning this medicine actually and like sacredly like going and doing this work, um, they're ruining it for us. Yeah. And that sucks. Um, and they're probably pissing off whatever kind of spiritual forces are involved. Oh, for sure. And so that's where like, I would say it is a little bit of an uphill battle because then when you're like actually someone who's doing the work and working really hard for it or or like coming from a place of a genuine, authentic place of like, I'm called to this or or I've been sent here by something greater than myself, then people automatically assume, like, I, I, this is my biggest fear. It's like, I'm a white woman. I'm like, oh, great. Like, I didn't ask for these, like, sort of uh, these guide points in my life. They've came to me. 
And now I'm like, okay, and I, I'm trusting that I'm supposed to follow these. And I also like, I'm like, okay, but how do I do this appropriately? Respectfully. Respectfully, authentically. And like, I would never, ever want to disrespect any powers that be or any indigenous cultures. Yeah. Beliefs and practices, even though I think that those cultures are way more in tune with the reality of what this all is about than white people have been for a long time. Well, I think so, too. I think a lot of a lot of the beauty of what spirituality can be has been lost in the Christian tradition, sadly. Yeah. As, like, I love so many people who are Christians. Uh, Same. And Catholics, too. My grandpa was a diehard, devout Catholic. Yeah, there's a lot of good there. But yeah. there has been a lot of watering down of the truth and insertion of things that are not true as a way to control people. And it, anything that is based and constructed to figure out a way to control large groups of people, it's not something I want to be a part of. No. And that's just the fucking bottom line. Yeah, It's like same. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I some the other day I was listening to something and she said somebody, they were talking about like, what do you think of when you hear about organized religion or like when you think about like reverence, I think was the word. Judgment. Right. And she was like, I really struggle with the word reverence because I feel like we've taken religion, we've taken God, this like beautiful, divine, spiritual thing. And like, she's like, I'm not talking about God in the like religious sense. I'm talking about like God at its truest form, which is. God know, as a source of all energy, not God as a system of rules. Exactly. Right. And she's like, and we put human hands in it. And now that we've put human hands in it, it's inevitably going to be. Yeah. Like fucked up. It's like when Gustav Gloop put his hands in the chocolate river. For sure. It's fucked up. He now. deserved to get fucking sucked up that pipe. He did. Yeah. He did. And, you know, contaminated all of the chocolate. I know that chocolate looked like shit. I'll be honest, though. We're Pretty talking watery. Yes. Very watery. Pretty very watery. watery. Yeah. yeah. I still would have taken the taste, though. You know? Oh, I mean, I get it. Like that. That scene of that movie is like my childhood happy place in a nutshell that candy room god damn i want to eat those giant gummy bears it's the best part of the whole movie it yesterday. really is yeah. it really is i'm a big gene wilder fan oh i love that movie yeah the way that he delivers comedy is uh exactly how i would want to do it if i was a if i was an actor yeah the way that's like he's very just odd and then every once in a while he'll blow up and be like enraged like when he yells at charlie for stealing the fizzy lifting drink yes um love it I love that scene. I love that whole movie. Yeah. It's great. He has like a subtle intensity about him, even though he's like this, like, kind of like aloof. Is that yeah. the right word? Perfect word. Yeah. He's very aloof. But you could tell he's like, has an internal world that must be very complex. Oh, for sure. He's a very complex individual. I read his autobiography, uh, Gene Wilder, not Willy Wonka, although that would be quite a read. Right. And um, he was, he's a very deep guy. And I think he was deeply sad. Yeah. You know, his wife died. When he was pretty young, I think, when yeah. they were young. Um, and, you know, that's like something I've found, unfortunately, about a lot of really talented actors and, and, and artists. There's a deep sadness. And, yeah. And it, you know, getting, having the ability to express it and like use it, right, is, is a beautiful gift. But That's what makes good art is the ability to convey those hard emotions and actually connect with people who are feeling them in real time. Like, yeah. have you ever written music, try to write poetry, music, any kind of emotional stuff. Yeah. It like when you sit down and do it, if you're not actively in that mind state, it feels very inauthentic and it's like this is never going to be good. And it probably won't be. But if you're if you're doing it with like gen, like you're genuinely heartbroken and you write a song about heartbreak, 
people who are feeling that when they listen to your song, they're going to feel that. Yeah. And it, the gen, that just that genuine humanity will come through the music. Yeah. And I don't know that it's something you can even really fake. No, I don't think it is. You know, and you and when people are faking it, you can tell. You know. Yeah. It's like not, a lot of pop music. Oh my god, pop music is the worst. But yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. um, this is like a struggle I see and I have experienced is uh like people who can't turn it off, right? Like, because you want to go there. You want to create something good and you want to be, you know, art matters, but coming back from there. Yeah. And some people really struggle with that coming back, you know. It's boring here. It is pretty boring sometimes. And everyone is just so caught up in making sure they're staying inside the lines. Oh, gosh. It's it's uh, it's boring. It is like and it's not the point. No, like it, not at all. We are not here to just like. I've, I've, I'm sure you've seen this online, like that thing that says we are not here to just like eat, sleep, work and fuck. Like we are here to like live colorful lives. And yeah. like there shouldn't be lines. You I'm know? pretty sure. Yeah, I love all those things a lot. All of those things are great. They're important. But they're like, you know, half of what I want to do. And the other half is just random. I just want to just ex- have experiences. Yeah. Like there's there's a that thing that people are saying that what we are is the universe experiencing itself. Like the universe had to, like if you think about that example we used earlier where there's that field of possibility, let's say that existed somewhere in existence and whatever kind of, you know, intelligent force or maybe non-intelligent, I don't know. Maybe it's like an an automaton, like a very simple, very simple structure that can create intricate and complex forms. But most likely it's intelligent in my mind. I think of it as some kind of a, I don't know. Yeah. It's a thought. I think it's a thought. So like that first, there's all there is before is just potential. And then there has to be that first drop of experience of like a consciousness, something that it can experience itself. And all we are is just a whole bunch of those drops and just trying to let the universe experience itself in as many different ways as possible. For sure. Good and bad. I love that. I um, like it too. Yeah, for sure. So question for you is like, do you think that, there are like other, like in the quantum field, do you believe in like quantum jumping? Like, you know, like there's another Jeff somewhere like on another timeline who's like living some type of other reality? Yeah, I do. Awesome. I, I think that the those other realities are just, just outside of my, my line, which is so like I'm knocking on the table. I can feel it. It's three dimensional. It's, right. it's real. It's hard. It's it's dense. Like this reality has density to it. Right. And all other, like, if you think of it like a Russian nesting doll or yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you know, a, a ripple on a pond, like only our reality has three-dimensional density. Like, okay. Because we are all collectively using our consciousness to pull those possibilities into reality. Every other potential reality still only exists in the world of potential. So I, I think that every possibility ever is is in existence right now which means that yes there's an infinite number of universes or realities where you and me are sitting in the same room with different hair or you know a different tablecloth everything infinite billions upon billions of different combinations of molecules yeah i do i do think that and i do think that you can access those yeah um through you you called it quantum jumping or timeline shifting right right i think that we're doing that all the time and I don't think that people are really, they just don't think about it like that. But 
you're on one trajectory mm-hmm. and you're on this line and then you make a decision that goes one way or the other. And I'm not a determinist in the sense that I don't think that all those decisions are laid out ahead of you. Yeah. I think that in the grand scheme of things, if there is a greater intelligence that can conceptualize all of that at once, that intelligence probably knows what decision you're going to make before you make it because it doesn't view time in a linear sense like right. we do. But it doesn't mean that you don't have that choice. It just the intelligence understands that we can have the duality of choice and also determinism kind of at the same time. Yeah. Because like you can see the whole picture. But yeah, I think that um, it's it's definitely possible. And like I I did it like I have a daughter who's four years old. And I, I was before she was conceived, I was very certain that I was infertile. Like I've talked about this on the podcast a few times, but the I did this meditation where I it, it was from this guy named Dr. Joe Dispenza. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I know him. He's getting some traction these days. Pe- yeah, he's people a great- are starting to like not think of him as a quack. Which is great. Because, Never thought of, of him as a quack. Well, you're love smart, him. but Thank a lot you. of people aren't. And they're yeah. like, oh, this guy's crazy. I love Joe Dispenza. Yeah. I mean, he broke his back and he, he through his thoughts alone, figured out a way to heal his body. And yeah. then he taught other people how to do this stuff. He's he's really cool. And he's on a similar um, pedestal for me with like Wim Hof, another guy who through thought alone is able to access his autonomic nervous system, yep. which is supposedly not possible. Right. It's it's amazing shit, but it is. I read all Joe Dispenza's books and absolutely just loved them. It it just makes so much sense to me. The stuff he says is it just like it just rings truth. Mm-hmm. Even though I have I'm not trained as a quantum physicist, so I can't really fact check him. But a lot of the stuff okay, he says same. just feels real. Yeah. It just feels true. And that's that's something that I really trust. That that kind of ingrained noetic quality where I'm just like that's truth. Mm-hmm. I can tell. I can just tell. We can feel truth yeah. on a cellular level. Our brains, this is something that I focus on in like in the work I'm doing right now and like learning to listen to the earth. My brain always wants to make sense of everything. Yeah. That's not its job all the time. Yeah. Our bodies know shit. Like if you feel truth in your body, it's true. If you just know something because you just know something, like I I I totally think that that is truth. Like, exactly what I'm talking about. You don't need proof. You know what I mean? Like that. That is the proof. You can feel it. It's like people say, "Oh, I feel it in my bones." Yes, that's really what it feels like. It it's is. Like it, it's part of your body, and it's because we're all one thing, and we recognize that truth in others and in circumstances around us. It's yeah. just we can feel it. It's very visceral. It's real. It is. It is. I love that. So I. Uh, he, I read one of his books. I don't remember which one it was. Is either "You Are the Placebo" or "Becoming Supernatural," mm-hmm. and the it talks a lot about these spontaneous healing events where he'd hold these big uh, festivals, basically where all these people who support him would come. So there you have right there you have a large energy uh, producing group of people who are all aligned, who all kind of believe around the same stuff. They're essentially focusing their energy in a very like concentrated direction. And it's all along the same ideology and the same kind of thought process that you have the power to step in and change your reality. Yeah. And you can do that by bringing in the thoughts and feelings of your desired reality. It's like he he just kind of figured out this system for how to get around your own self-defeating like roadblocks. It, it, it just taught me how to get out of my own way. That's so awesome. Following his meditation, I sit in the forest under this gigantic cedar tree Mm -hmm. which 
I has always been like one of my it's my spirit plant. If yeah, you know, yeah. Like the western red cedar. I can I could just feel the energy in those trees. That's like something awesome. special about those specifically those trees. And um, so when I really like need a really solid source of energy that I just where I can just feel it, I I go hang out with those trees. Yeah. And so I was with the trees and <clears throat> doing this meditation where he has you focus your attention first on your body and then just outside your body, like the space It's like focus your attention in the space yeah. between your eyes. Now focus the, the, the attention on just outside of the space between your eyes, like in this, like the space to where you're bringing your awareness, not only to your body, but to the space that surrounds your body, which essentially just like makes you become part of your space around your For body. Sure. You cease to be separate. Yeah. You cease to be separate from your surroundings and you just become part of the whole, which is what we've always been. Unless we take an active measure to like think about it in a way that separates us, yeah. which we can also do very easily. Definitely. Like we're very powerful creators. And so I did this meditation. I pictured this little girl who now lives in my home. Mm -hmm. but And I just thanked God for letting me have her. And even if it was just in this moment in the meditation, I just thanked God for the experience of like, this love that I was feeling mm -hmm. and it was very real. And mm -hmm. I felt like in order to even do this, I had to let go of all of these ideas that I believed about myself, about being infertile, about being afraid of being a bad dad, about the, like, like what if uh, being afraid of the possibility that I might never have a child and how much that is going to hurt because I've wanted it so bad my whole life. Yeah. Like I had to let go of all of that just to be able to entertain that mind space of like of gratitude for this thing because when I started, even the thought of like allowing myself to have those those thoughts and feelings was painful because I'm like, what if it just gets my hopes up right. and then it never happens? And then I had to realize that who gives a fuck? Yeah. Even if it never happens, you get to have this little shred of it in this moment where you're you're trying to bring up those feelings and thoughts of like what it would feel like to be in this experience. And I did this like two or three times and these meditations are an hour apiece. So it's like, it's fucking work. Yeah. It's not, it's not enjoyable. It's not like a relaxing kind right. of own thing. Like, like no. I like to do. It was, it was really active work. And by the end of it, I was like exhausted, but just feeling like this universal hum that, that it's just like the ohm, mm -hmm. the, the just feels, I felt very, very connected to myself and to God and to the world. And it was a very powerful, very powerful experience. Didn't think much of it after that. Went on with my life. I do weird shit like that all the time. I'm always stopping in the woods to have a quick have a quick thought under the shade of a cedar tree. Yes. It's not that weird. No, I get it. And then I went on with my life. And two or three weeks later, um, I get a text message. That it was a picture of a pregnancy test. And my wife was pregnant. That's I, amazing. Yeah. I, I was blown away. And mm. I immediately, I went back to that place of gratitude and I realized, holy shit, I am now that person. Yeah. I am the person I was in the meditation where I was pretending. I love this. And I became it. Yeah. I, like I, I manifested it in my life. And now this is a human being that, that lives and, and has her own thoughts and feelings and opinions and teaches me things all the time. And I made her out of just like the raw materials of the universe and with the help of one very, very helpful uterus. Yes. I mean, woman named Melissa. Well. Wow. I can't take a lot of credit. I didn't. I didn't do a lot of the physical work, but but the, you uh, manifested like the you the know the fact I, that she exists now is yes. still mind blowing to me. Absolutely, like I mean that's so powerful to hear, and just to like 
you have the proof, right? I've been thinking a lot about this recently, about, like, other timeline Alicia. Who is she? We don't know. Um, I mean, Who we, are they? Right. Who are they? I love that. Who are they? <clears throat> Excuse me. Excuse me. So, um, who are they? Like, they are, you know, this is, it's easy to be self-critical, right? Like, all those things you were talking about. It's easy to be like, you know, am I going to be a good dad? Am I going to? I do that shit all the time. I'm like, you know, can I really help people? Like, I doubt myself sometimes. It's like the passion is there. And I'm like, no, recently I've been thinking a lot about how, like, I can shift into these places where I am already that person. And I I mean, I do, like, really intentful, like, journaling every morning to to keep myself on that in that mindset. Um, but that is just so like fascinating to hear that you like really took the time to drop into that place and like really conceptualize, like visualize this and like, and, and shift into that like place. It really changed the way I think about everything. Yeah. That's awesome. Just the power of belief just to, okay. So growing up very, very much was not allowed to even entertain the thought of like really anything other than the Christian faith. That is it. Yeah. Everything else is a quick ticket to hell, which I don't think <laughs> is true. I don't believe that at all. I think that there there's, it's just so much more complicated than that. But um, for sure. Yeah. I don't have to go into the myriad of reasons why I don't think that that's the truth. But the point is I, I was just never open to alternative forms of belief and, yeah. and ways of, you know, feeling like I was connected to God because it says very clearly in the tradition that I was brought up in that if I try, that I will be burned forever. So I was like, I'm not going to fucking do that. But that was a lie. I really think it was a lie. I think it was too. I mean, I, I, I relate to that like a little, you know, I, my family's not religious, but I was super religious. Um, like through childhood friend influence and stuff like that. Like also you grew up in a puritanical society. Oh, for like, sure. We, it, it underlies our whole culture. Yeah, like I, so I wrote a one-person show and the show started with like, you know, like the first, like the second scene, I guess. Um, I remember being like six years old and hearing like, you know, you're going to go to hell if you like have sex before marriage. And at six or seven, I like wholeheartedly was like, well, I'm going to hell. Like I like yeah. just was like, fuck, I like, I can't, I'm, that's just not in the cards. After, you know, watching the Titanic all those years at seven, I was like, I'm no, I'd be fucking like, yeah, this is not an option. That was one that I, I was like, God will forgive me for that one. Everybody's doing it. So right. He's not going to put just me in hell. No. Right. Like, so I, like the, the fear that like the, you know, I, I totally like, I was a diehard, like I, I really found comfort in God and in, yeah. in religion, um, being in an alcoholic home. Like I gave all my anxiety and all the stress and worry and the, the pain that was being caused in my family, like I gave it to God. And I mean, no surprise, God did not do anything about it. Um, that was up to the people in the situation. And they later did stuff about it. But um, I went through this period around like 19. I just like really became a really hardcore atheist. I was like, science is all that, th that there is we are going to die and that's going to be it. Like I was in this place and that didn't feel authentic either. Like a couple years went by. Too easy. Right. Too easy. And also it's super fucking disconnecting from everything. You're yeah. It doesn't so, feel true. And no. And, and it, it drains you. It really like brings you to a place of like, 
I found that that I was super depressed, unmotivated, and like really, really like lost in that time. I was very lost. My compass did not know where to point. And so like that was like another time in my life where I was fully like hit a wall, hit a wall and was like, well, fuck, like maybe there is something else. And that's when I started to find spirituality and like in this way. Um, And that wasn't until I was like 20 two so there's a good four years there where I was just like just lighting fires all over the the world with my thought and and in my world really just like with like this anger too like this anger of like well then why am I here what the fuck for like this is not great um and you know when you can drop into that spirituality and expand your connection I think that's so powerful yeah we all want to feel like we're here for a reason yeah even if you don't admit it. It it's a feeling we all have. Yeah, like you don't want to feel f- like frivolous. No, like your existence shouldn't be frivolous. No, and it a lot of times it is that way because it's just like you can't every day can't be groundbreaking like growth and like you need those days of just quiet existence, yeah. peace. Yeah, and it's yeah those days are depressing if you don't think there's anything else. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Do you deal with depression? Yeah, I'm, you know, I deal with it a little bit less now, honestly. Like there, yeah, there were um, a few years where I still have emotional waves, right? And um, the biggest thing for me, so have you ever heard of human design? No. Super cool concept and it actually involves quantum physics. So um, it's this idea, it takes quantum physics and astrology and... Um, it lays them over the top of each other. And so it kind of creates this chart because we all entered this human plane on a specific day, on a specific time with specific coordinates, right? And so when you look at the quantum physics of that, like this human's abilities and the way that they process information is going to be specific to that human. So there's like a process of how you find someone's um, human design chart. And I recently, I did this like, mm, I don't know, a year ago, I found my human design. And um is that similar to like a soul contract? I've seen people selling soul contracts on the internet, like soul contract reading. That's that is more in line with your akashic um, okay. records, but okay. no. So like you're 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 like um. So from like how I can best describe it is like my I have we all have channels chakras in our bodies, right? Like we have these channels, and. You know, someone who's born in the middle of July might not have the same channels open as someone who's born in November. And so my um, human design is I am a generator, an emotional generator, which was like, well, that makes sense. Um, What what are the types? So there's like a generator, a reflector, projectors. um, There's manifesting generators. Your manifesting generators are the people who are out here making shit happen. Like they're the people who like have an idea and create it like they're always the action takers um and like facilitators if you will of ideas sometimes it takes a partnership to like bring it to fruition that's what i was just gonna say it sounds like very similar to the uh, malcolm gladwell's concept of like how a uh like a social epidemic spreads you need like the person who knows all the shit you need the people who connects all the people like there's there's roles to play that, yeah. that cause these giant social transformations for sure but this is more of a spiritual version right it is right so like um i'm an emotional generator which means like i have you know these open channels like my uh my 
Ajna, if you will, is open. So I have an open. What's the Ajna? Like your third eye. I have oh, an open yeah. like head center. And so that means that like sometimes other people's thoughts and feelings and um, ideas, I will like take them on and own them as my own. And um, that has like knowing that about myself, I've been able to like actually really tune into what's mine and what's not mine. And I've gotten a lot like more in control of my depression and like how how I my anxiety and kind of like my emotional state through these things and like understanding how I operate in the world. And I also know my emotional wave has a low. So like when I'm in my low, not a great time for me to like <clears throat> take action to like to go and try like if I when I'm in a low, I like to just be like, this is the solution to everything. I'll just like pull out a million ideas in five minutes and be like, you need to move across the world and like change your identity. You need to like shave your head and not talk to anybody. You know, ego, 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 100%. And so I know when I'm in that place, never take action. Like yeah. I just am like, okay, you're on a, you're on a low. We're going to let this ride itself out and we're going to like ground ourselves. That's um, psychological maturity. Like to, to have that knowledge about yourself to know yourself well enough to know like, yes, I'm here now, but this is temporary yes. and temporal. It's outside of me. I can't control it. I, it's going to be over soon. I'm just going to continue to stay on the path. Yes. Like, temporary. It's, yeah. It's all temporary. Oh, that's the biggest, like, that's the word of the week for me is temporary. Um, Because, you know, we, things feel permanent. Our ego wants things to feel like, wants us to believe things are permanent. At the very least our identity and us as a as a concept should feel permanent but it's not even permanent no like it's cha i've changed so fucking much and it's like sometimes that's why i also like feel a little disconnected from maybe friends i've had in the past or ideas people like know me as because i'm like oh i look at that person and i'm like we're not the same we're not the same you know and like yeah physically okay like this is the same body and maybe is it though no. It takes a year or something for all of your cells to recycle. That's crazy. I love And your bones are recycling like every seven, right? Yeah. it's. Uh, I'm pretty sure they thought it was seven up until like a year ago. And then they found like, no, it's actually even much quicker than that. So we're we're not the same people we were five years ago. No. No. Not, not in any way. No. And if your brain, if your brain is staying the same, if you're not growing that consciousness and changing with your cells and your body, like I feel like that is where people can get caught in these cycles of ego, of, you know, like, I know mental health is like a very nuanced thing. Some people have like actual traumas, brain trauma, like all these things that actually can create like depression and anxiety or, um, you know, mental health conditions. But also like the willingness, the willingness to change, the willingness to expand, um, the willingness to get uncomfortable. Like there you go. You have to get uncomfortable. If you are comfortable believing that I'm unworthy, I don't matter, um, my life is obsolete, this is what it is, and you're not, you're not, you know, I, it's like, you have to be just as uncomfortable staying the same as you are as about, like, being uncomfortable as changing. Wow, that was, like, a lot. That no, that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Like, you have to let yourself be uncomfortable. You yeah. can't just seek comfort at every opportunity, because that, that is stagnation. Yeah. And there's, there's nowhere to go from there. No, there's yeah. no expansion. Yeah. And we all kind of can feel that too. When like you think about the scary things that you want to do, but you might never do. That's discomfort. That's the kind of discomfort that you have to live in if you actually try to do those things. So it's, it's not easy. It's never easy. No, exactly. It's not.
it really isn't. And I think like that's the one of my favorite things about it is like we just dare just show up, get in the arena, as Brene Brown would say, get in the arena, get uncomfortable, just fucking show up. The only way you can fuck up your healing journey, your healing, your growth is to not do it. Yeah. That's the only way to fuck it up. Yeah. And the process is messy, but it's worth it. It is messy. It's worth it. It is. Like, sometimes, you know, it's super messy, but it is worth it. Because, like, I would rather fall on my face a hundred times and fail. Fail. Like, that's such an ego-based word. Um, but, like, fail at, like, healing, at, at, at expanding, at learning, than I would to say in the exact same place and never question my reality and never expand beyond that. Yeah, that's very well said. All right, well... We are actually at almost two hours. So yeah. We're almost done. But I really want to cover one more thing before we go. Um, just I have forgotten. Yeah. Uh, sound. Sound and vibration. So yes. you mentioned sound healing somewhere in there. And um, I, I think that there is a lot of potential for technology that involves sound and healing and all that kind of thing with resonant frequencies and all that kind of stuff. What, what, do, you, what do you know about sound healing? Yeah. So just like everything, it has frequencies, right? Um, you have a frequency. I have my own energetic frequency, like everything that is. Which is measurable. Right. It is measurable. Um, so certain sounds are going to um, obviously emit a different frequency that are going to, you know, heal us. Like I just read this fascinating article about how bees, beekeepers, because bees emit a healing frequency. Oh, I've got a great fact about bees. Um, I love bees. And I mean, you know, they're super important. Um, but they said like beekeepers, like they've actually seen beekeep beekeepers who have cancer become cured because the healing frequency that bees emit. Oh my God. That's awesome. So get this. I just learned. So you, I'm sure you've heard your whole life that a bee structurally shouldn't be able to fly because their wings are too small. You ever heard that? Yes. Yeah. We'll talk about that. They have a resonating chamber in their abdomen or their thorax that creates like a, it's like a drum basically mm -hmm. and when they beat their wings it creates a frequency that resonates in this chamber and they are literally levitating because they're matching the resonant frequency of the planet that's crazy. and they're able that's why they can make like crazy turns and hover and do all this stuff that most flying bugs and an insects and animals can't do because they're levitating yeah like have you seen those beetles wings that levitate yeah like, it's crazy but this is very much science yeah and it's it's just bizarre but that's that's the healing sound of bees that makes a lot of sense for sure and it's with everything right like water um yeah. like this is why i think getting out in the world and getting out in nature like getting away from cars getting away from machines is like really like not that i mean there are obviously certain machines that hold a certain purpose for healing but um like getting amongst trees getting amongst like the wind like the frequencies of sounds um and also the, like just like bees, like we can move resonance in our body. You can move sound from the top of your head to down in your like in your womb and your like uh, sacral chakras, like down in your um, root, if you will. And um, when you move that sound around, like different sensations happen in your body, right? So when we explore those and play with those like i think it's really cool to see um that was actually something i didn't like every day in acting school we warm up our sounds and like we would do some weird shit i gotta tell you like sometimes you'd walk into a room and be like some weird shit's going on in here but here we go like 
but like you certain sounds in certain places are going to like make you feel different feelings arouse you differently like you might feel fear when you're moving sound around like in a certain place in your body and you might feel like grounded and powerful when it's down lower and so like sound that is on those frequencies it totally makes sense um i just had this like thought have you seen the tiktok guy who like I don't even know how he does it, but he hooks these machines up to like this little thing up to plants and then like plays their frequency. Yeah, I've seen that. That's it's really cool. so cool. Yeah. And and then as he like he touches the plants, they will change their frequency in response. Mm -hmm. That's another example of plant consciousness or fungal consciousness because the one I saw most recently was mushrooms. Yes. You know, with like an oyster mushroom. But I can feel it. I don't even need that little machine. I could tell that these these organisms have some form of consciousness that that is different than ours oh but, for sure but very much still legitimate yeah very legitimate you know i like looked like a little crazy american when i was overseas like everywhere i went I, I my goal was to go to spiritual places and go to like ancient places and um i'm like really called to water and rocks and trees as well um but like water and rocks they speak to me and i would be touching like i like people are at a castle, like taking pictures. I'm like rubbing these rocks and they're like, what's going on? I was like, I don't, I don't know either. Did you go cry at the wailing wall? Oh my gosh. I, I didn't make it there, but I'm headed back. Put it on the list. It's on the list. I'm actually trying to head back in October, but like one of the most special places to me is Wales, is the coastline of Wales, Abers with Wales. When I was there, um, like I felt so alive by the earth. I was like, I couldn't stop like digging my hands in the soil and and like at the beach, it's pebbles. It's not sand. It's like different rocks. Um, and I just like it was the most crazy thing that I've ever experienced in my life, like fully wept, like could not stop crying. But out of like joy, like pure joy and surrender of just like I felt I had returned to like a soul home. Um, the resonant frequency of that place with those rocks was just vibing with yours. 100%. You I, I think that's such a real, very, very real thing. Yeah. Like that that if you're open to it and you're listening, you can you can hear it. You can feel it. It's yeah. it's a very it's a communication system between us and everything. Mm, mm -hmm. And I think it's very, very real. It is. It it gives me I like to hold my heart when something is like mm, like that truth. And like that is just such a like I mean, I've done that a lot in our conversation just because like truths, like you can feel them, you know? Yeah. And, and that's 100%. one of those things. This has been a great conversation. Yeah. I feel, I feel a lot better. I've been, I've been lately, I've been just like dying for some esoteric talk. <laughs> like I want to talk about shit that uh, makes people uncomfortable. For sure. And uh, I think we did that today. Yeah, I think so. It was great. It was really great. I Thank you for having me. I'm honored. Do you have any final words before we wrap this thing up? I mean, no, you know, just... Everybody needs to take care of themselves as much as they can. Love yourself. Uh, get uncomfortable. That's my that's my final note. Get uncomfortable. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ramble by the River. If you did, it really helps us out if you leave us a rating or a review. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And if you want to get more involved and support the show, you can subscribe to our Patreon page for exclusive content, bonus episodes, and a Ramble by the River t-shirt with every Royal Rambler subscription after three months. Instructions for how to join are at ramblebytheriver.com. Click the subscribe link 
and it's easy peasy lemon squeezy thanks again for listening come back next week bye can't nobody take me